Welcome, this is Beyond the Hate. I'm Steven. And I'm John. And that is, of course, one of the most iconic scenes in the entire movie. Right. We'll be your huckleberries. Yes, we'll be your huckleberries. Which is funny. Do you know what that means? Uh, no, I don't know off the top of my head what that it means. It kind of means um, I'm the man for the job. Because it's okay. a reference to Mark Twain's Huckleberry Finn. Oh, okay. So that's what that means. Okay. I'm the man for the job. Or it could be translated to I'm the one that'll put you in your grave. Right. So that's that's literally what it means. This movie was a budget of twenty five million dollars and made fifty six million in the box office. I'm sure that it's only a domestic release. It wasn't released overseas. It was just in America. Oh really? So I'm pretty sure the DVD sales and stuff were crazy, but I could not find those numbers anywhere. Yeah, well, this this um, I mean, yeah, Tombstones from 1993, so you might it might be a little bit harder to find some of that data nowadays, unless you unless I don't know. Do they mention DVD sales on Box Office Mojo? Nope. Okay. Not for this, but they do for, for modern some movies. But it's just yeah. hard to calculate a movie that old. Yeah. Uh, but I imagine it's probably somewhere in like at least the hundred million range. Yeah. Um, it's one of the it's one of the most influential like Western movies of all time. Sylvester Stallone recommended the George P. Uh, Cosmotes. Uh, is that how you say his last uh, name? But anyway, uh, because he was the director of Rambo uh, two, uh, and Cobra, in the end though. Now, Cosmatos. Cosmatos. Yeah, George uh, Cosmatos. Uh, in the end, though, we find out that he's really just a ghost director, and Kurt Russell did direct this movie. Ah. Um, that's that's became knowledge now. The actors talked about it, and they just said that they weren't going to let Kurt Russell direct his own movie back in those days. So basically, they hired the dude to be a ghost director, and Kurt Russell directed this whole movie. Huh. Well, I mean, yeah, he did a badass job with it then because I didn't realize that this was primarily his direction and not the actual director. But before we get too much hmm. into it, what are we drinking today, John? Uh, this is the uh, probably one of our favorite companies. This is the New Holland Brewing Company. Uh, this is uh, Dragon's Milk, but this is the... Uh, raspberry hibiscus reserve. It is fucking delicious. Yes. It's a three out of three star. It's probably a 300 out of three star. Yes. It is super, super amazing. One of our most highly recommended beers. 
that we've ever drank. And we drink a lot of really good beers because we know what we like. And this is one of those things that we definitely love. Pour it into a good Pilsner's glass and then have yourself a good time. This is 11% alcohol. so Yes. It will. And the raspberry, it has the raspberry flavor and you can definitely taste it. But it's not like overwhelming. It's done very well. It still has the the beer taste that you're expecting because these are aged in bourbon barrels. What was that beer that we drank the one time that we were like it was really good, but it could use? Was it the strawberry or the blueberry one? Uh, I think it was it was the um, was it the Leinen Kugel strawberry? I think it was the Leinen Kugel strawberry, and we're like it's really good. It just needs more strawberry. I mean, yeah, it needs more cowbell, right? It needs more cowbell. It needs more strawberry. Uh, because, like, if you're going to put, like, a fruit or something, you know, unique in your beer, please, dear God, actually make sure that it tastes like that and not, like, a slight hint of it. Yeah, because it really <clears throat> messes you up. Because you're expecting... You're, yeah, your mind's expecting something else, and then the taste is something different. So and you it's really just have disappointing. To, yeah, you really have to match the description of your beer. That's important, because... You know, um, brain power is kind of everything whenever you're tasting something. It's like when you grab a drink and you think it's something else. Right. And then you take a drink. Even if you do like that drink, it gives you a bad taste in your mouth. Because you're like, oh, I didn't. No, I didn't want this. Like if you think you're grabbing like, um, you know, you think you're grabbing tea or something and it's it's, uh, lemonade. And you're just going, oh, you kind of maybe even do a spit take. You're like, oh, shit. what, What was that? Yeah. So, and ordinarily you drink lemonade, but you're like, that's not what I want right now. I yeah, want the exactly. tea. Yeah, exactly. Because your brain kind of, it, it kind of plays tricks on you. With it's that. like you're yeah. going to grab like a Miller Lite and it's actually a Natty Lite. You just, blah, blah, yeah. Blah, you, know? <laughs> you probably do that anyway. But anyway. <laughs> Natty Lite. It's basically the closest thing to liquid diarrhea. Diarrhea <laughs> in a can. Diarrhea in a can. <laughs> um, so uh, some interesting things is in it. Like uh, some things are really really true like um two historic facts like the end of the fight at the okay corral was was true like the the dialogue the line i got you doc you son of a bitch and he says you're a daisy if you do that was recorded and written in newspapers that was a hundred percent accurate and a lot of people don't know this but wyatt earp is in this movie but not in the way you think. The guy that plays Billy Claiborne, his name is Wyatt Earp. Oh, really? He is Wyatt Earp's fifth cousin. Oh, really? <laughs> Real fifth cousin. So, Wyatt Earp bloodline is in this movie. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So, that is very cool. And Frank Stallone's in this movie. Oh, really? Which Who does Frank Stallone play? Ed Bailey. Oh, he gets stabbed at the first of the movie by Doc Holliday. That's right. That's yeah. Frank Stallone. Oh, I did not realize that. That's the guy that uh, he he thinks that uh, he's doing something with the cards, and then he gets uh, the Doc Holliday's cheating, which he yeah. is. Right. Well, because he's using <laughs> Kate to, to basically give him a tell as to what if his cards are good or not, because Kate's going around the table. But she she also she also was known to give him cards. Uh, Oh yeah, I would imagine so. Because I mean, you know, Doc, as much as he was a generally up, you know, upstanding citizen, he he would steal the hell out of your money, cheat you, and, and rob you, murder you. Yeah, he was a he was a hell of an outlaw. One of the most dangerous guns 
of all time. People would say the most dangerous gunfighter of all time was Wild Bill Hickok. Uh, they say like he was probably the deadliest with a gun, and then you know people say Billy the Kid and uh, things like that. But Val Kilmer in the movie, his his gun draw, you know his gun draw is super fast. Right. That's really Val Kilmer. He practiced that. Oh, how to quick so draw from a holster? Up, they didn't speed up film or anything like that, like a lot of people were kind of thinking. Val Kilmer practiced the hell out of that. He can really draw a gun that fast. Hmm. <laughs> well, and especially because back in those days, they basically everything was just, they were um, revolver style, like six shooters. Yeah. So, you know, uh, if they have people these days that do like uh, quick draw competitions, because um, I remember talking to a guy at my old job, and that's what he did. He did quick draw competitions, and he can he can draw the gun. Or he can like flip a coin in the air or like a bottle cap, draw like shoot the bullet through the coin or through the bottle cap or whatever, and then holster before it hits the ground. You know, so they have like these guys that do like these. Um, they'll go to like a rodeo or something like that, and they'll have like the old school, you know, like revolver. Uh, pistol draw competitions and stuff where you have to like, you know, draw, shoot an object and then holster. So there's some people out there that can do some seriously cool stuff like that. Yeah. But that, the, what you're talking about is tricks. Though. It's trick. It's trick shots basically. Yeah. yeah. It's not, it's not necessarily. It's not trying to shoot a man to kill him because you just yeah. cheated him at cards you're and not, stole his you're money. Not, you're not under the fear of death. No. By doing tricks. Same with the basketball, like the Harlem Globetrotters. They're not actually being defended. They're just doing tricks. Yeah. It's People just like, stunts. Why aren't they basketball players? It's like, cause this is a different. This isn't a game. This is a show. So it's it's different. But you know, like Billy the Kid, he's the one that you know thought of you know following the side off from it, so it slide out of the holster quicker. Right. Um, but Will Defoe was the original choice for Die Holiday. William Def- William Defoe, huh? That's interesting. But the studio or the distributors that were backing this movie said, if you put Will Defoe in this film, we will not distribute this film huh and it was because he did that um um controversial movie about jesus uh before then i forget the name of it uh but a lot of people didn't like it and a lot of people didn't want to actually finance will defoe movies after that so because he didn't really start to get anything going till he got what spider-man like was isn't that like spider-man was when he started to kind of Turn back around again. Yeah, yeah, because people did not like that that movie, which he was amazing in, uh, if I remember right. And Mickey Rourke turned down the role of Johnny Ringo um, in this movie, which I'm actually glad because it worked out. Because you know anything about Mickey Rourke, and also um, Last Temptation of Christ. That's what you were Last thinking. Temptation of Christ. Yes. Okay, that's that's the movie, and uh, the guy that plays uh, Johnny Ringo, uh, what's his name again? Which just Michael Bean. Michael Bean. He did an amazing job. I, I can't see Mickey Rourke doing um, Johnny Ringo better than Michael Bean. Um, but also, uh, Mickey Rourke went on to do that movie, The Last Outlaw. Mm-hmm. And that's more Mickey Rourke's speed. That movie's great. So Yeah, um, it's, to me, I think it's like when you look at the casting for this, it's almost like because everybody get like when you see Kurt as Wyatt, and then you see, like, well, Paxton is like his little brother Morgan, and then his older brother Virgil's played by um, uh, Sam Elliott, right? Then it's like that. Just it, like when you see it, it looks it looks like it makes sense. Then you see Val as Doc Holliday, and you're like, okay, 
like that makes sense too. That looks like that's what Doc would look like, you know. That's what Doc would be like. And then you see Michael Bean as Ringo, and it's like Michael Bean's a badass actor. And it's like seeing him in this, you're like that. I can't imagine somebody else playing Johnny Ringo. That would just be weird if you recasted that now because Beans does such a good job of as Ringo, you know? Yeah. I, I think they got the best versions of whatever they could do. Like Stephen Lang is Ike Clanton. Yeah. Everybody knows Stephen Lang now from like Avatar and stuff like that. And in this, uh, you know, Stephen, you know, Oh yeah. Ike. Yeah. No, he's like, he's kind of like one of the main catalysts for the, 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 the cowboys. cowboys. Yeah. He's kind of a coward, but he's kind of smart, a smart coward. Right. Like his, his brother gets killed at, um, which was Thomas Hayden church. Right. Uh, he gets killed at the, you know, the battle of okay corral or whatever. And you see him trying to shoot out the herbs and stuff. He's like, Billy, but he eventually just ran. Right. He didn't want to die too. And, you know, I, I like Thomas Hayden Church's character. Some of the chemistry that him and Val Kilmer had right, was some of the best. You know, Frederick fucking Chopin. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> Frederick fucking Chopin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Val has, I would say, probably some... Th- this movie, all of its quotes typically are from Doc Holliday. Yeah, like Like everything. Val's lines. Like the one that got me that made me laugh again when I heard it because it's been a while since I've actually like just sat down and really watched the movie uh, was when... Um, uh, he first uh, takes that dude's money at the very beginning of the movie before he moves on to Tombstone. And uh, Kate starts gathering up all the money and the coins and gets his guns back and everything off the table. And uh, he's just like, uh, he's like, you soft, sweet Hungarian devil. <laughs> and it's like, oh man, it's like only Val Kilmer could deliver that line like that and yeah. make it sound good. That's why you're not wearing a bustle. <laughs> That's why you're not wearing a bustle. Because she sits down on him and he was like, you're not wearing a bustle. <laughs> and he's like, That's why you're not wearing a bustle. <laughs> he's like, Yeah, and, uh, like, like, uh, he has so many good lines. It's like, uh, the, the, you know, um, the part where um, Curly Bill kills uh, the sheriff in the street or the marshal or whatever he was. Yeah. Um, he, he's like, uh, he was like, and you, music lover. And he was like, so drunk, you're probably seeing double. And he pulls out that night and he's like, I have two guns. One, one for, for each, each of you. <laughs> I've got two guns and one for each of you. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I don't know if you want to try to fight. Doc Holiday with a knife, either. Right. He stabbed the motherfucker to death at the first of the movie. <laughs> oh yeah. Because he was gonna, he just put his guns down on the table and then ended up just stabbing the dude anyway, and then took off with all the money yeah, and everything. Yeah, he was like, now we can be friends, and he was like, he went for the guns. And so he we're just not friends him. anymore. And then he, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and the guy went for the guns, and he just pushed him against the wall and stabbed his ass. Right. <laughs> he was very. uh um, you know, he was very spontaneous after he got diagnosed with tuberculosis, which is, you know, um, an incurable disease. Or at least at the time at it the was. At the time it was. Because they didn't um, have a vaccine for it yet. They hadn't invented one yet. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which I guess technically it still would be if it could... It, what, is it curable now? It's preventable now, right? Is it curable? Um, you know, I don't remember. I, I looked this up last night because I was curious because I'm like, I don't remember exactly how tuberculosis worked, but uh, 
Um, we're if you guys don't know, we're not medical professions. Yeah, we're, we're not professionals. So, and the reason, and he was actually a doctor, Doc Holiday, because he was a dentist. <laughs> People forget about that. Um, it says uh, many strains of tuberculosis resist the drugs most used to treat the disease. People with active tuberculosis must take several type of medications for many months to eradicate the infection and prevent development of antibiotic resistance. So nowadays you could get rid of it possibly, but you'd have to fight like hell with the antibiotics to get rid of it. Okay. Um, so do you do you, have you ever known uh, the dialogue that? Uh, Ringo and um, uh, Doc Holliday said between each other in Latin. Uh, oh, no, I don't know what they said in Latin. Okay, well, I'm going to give you... Because it's not you... subtitled or anything. I guess maybe if I turn the subtitles on, it would tell it to me. I don't think it will, no. Oh, it's, they just wanted that to be its own thing? I have thing? the dialogue. It's numbered in the order of the way we have to say these. This is in English. Oh, Okay. So this is what they say. I'm going to give you Ringo's. There's only two lines. Doc's only three. Okay. Doc starts it, then Ringo. It's numbered one. Mine's one, three, five. Yours is two and four. Oh, okay. So, we so we're doing a table read right now? Yeah, we're doing a table read. I mean, it's, it's really easy. It's, <laughs> okay. It's, it's not much. So Doc starts off, in wine there is truth. Do what you do. Let Appella the Jew believe, not I. Youth is the teacher of fools. Rest in peace. Ah, <laughs> that is the dialogue between Johnny Ringo and Doc Holliday. Yeah, because because uh, I think Wyatt <laughs> says something like he he's like uh, he's like I, you know you boys need to chill in whatever language, and he and then Doc is like it's Latin. <laughs> yeah, it's Latin. He's an yeah. educated man. Yeah, you know now I really hate him. Yeah, he literally Doc really literally told him in Latin, "I'm going to kill you." Yeah. <laughs> That's um, and so that that's really interesting, and a lot of people are confused by the lines uh, "Let the Pella the Jew believe, not I" or whatever. But there were a lot of people that, you know, thought Judaism was like is this, you know, Latin's like from the Roman era and stuff, and um, a lot of people just thought Jews were just the worst. Well, you got to think at the time. I mean, this movie takes place in 1881. I mean, this is basically, this is like you know. Uh, the traditional old West, like when everybody went out West for the gold rush and the silver rush and every, all the mining opened up in California and Arizona and all these different areas. It was like, I mean, you know, they, they, there were a lot more racist back then and they weren't really as accepting of other cultures because, you know, it's a bunch of outlaws. I mean, and Doc Holliday actually was not a racist though. No, no. Uh, I mean, there, at least there's no documented evidence that he was. No, he never, like, um, he, you know, he never owned slaves or anything like that. Right. Uh, neither did White Earp or any of the Earps for that matter. Yeah, the Earp brothers. But, uh, yeah, it's, I think for, for this movie too, it's like when you look at this from like that 1881 perspective, when they get to Tombstone, it's like, it's just interesting because, you know, whenever you watch these old Westerns, you're like, man, like towns, cities were just basically wide open back in those days. And you kind of had like, there were 7,000 people that lived in tombstone during this period of time. Okay. When the silver mines opened up and everybody was not including the Chinese people that were working on the railroad that were being forced into labor. Yeah. That had nothing to do with the herbs or the holidays or anything like that. that no, the, the Chinese workers were already there. Yeah. So, 
And that's and that was the other thing too. One of the things that you know messes up the cowboys is that they keep going to that dead damn opium den where the the Chinese guys are giving them that opium. Yeah, it's fucking them up. It's definitely fucked up Curly Bill. Yeah, that's, that's a, yeah, that's one of the whole reasons Curly Bill kind of went off the rails. Yeah, that's kind of the whole reason Curly. That's kind of the whole reason any of this started was Curly Bill, you know, getting, getting addicted to hair, you know, the to opium, the opium, and then going and crazy then on the street, shooting the marshal in the streets, and then that kind of started this whole thing between the Earps and, you know, Doc Holliday has to be involved because Wyatt's involved, and you know. Our, our thing about Doc is he clearly had a death wish. He just never met anyone that could give it to him. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. he wasn't going to let you take him. He just wanted to see if someone could. Right. Was the whole reason he became an outlaw. Yeah, well, because once he got, you know, the tuberculosis, he was kind of like, well, shit, I don't have that much longer to live anyway. Might as well have some fun while I'm doing it, you know. That's um, a great I mean, I, I agree with him. He never he never hurt any innocent people. That's one hundred percent certain. It's always bad people he dealt with and usually yeah. dealt with them. Same thing with Billy the Kid. He just didn't walk up and like, you know, shoot innocent people in the face. It was always corrupt lawmen or other gangs and stuff. Right. Well, because back during these times, uh, because back during this time, you still had you had the uh, you had the steam trains, right? Or were they coal trains? Were they did they have steam trains yet, or was everything coal based? Did they have to burn the engines on coal? I couldn't tell you. I can't remember historically right off the top of my head. But you know, you have a lot of these, like especially these Western movies from this time. You had those train robbers that would like you know try to hijack a train from horse from horseback and then take over the train and steal whatever was on it. You know, so like you Jesse had Jesse James. Yeah, like Jesse James, he was one of those train robbery guys because that was that became a big thing, because you know it's like any time that you have some way for outlaws to make money, you know you'd see it because you know back during you know well like the ooh, 17, 1600s, that was when you had all the pirates in the Caribbean because they were gonna hijack those the British ships, the Spanish ships that were out exploring and they got shit tons of rum, shit tons of gold, sugar, like all these different things that they took with them, all these supplies, guns, cannonballs, whatever. And it was like, well, hell we know how to pilot. We know, we know how to run a ship. Why don't we go over there and fucking take that galleon out and take all that, you know, thousands of pounds worth of gold they got on that fucker, you know? So when you got to the old West, it's like, Hey, those trains are just like those old Spanish galleons. It's like, we'll just take all the valuable shit off there and we'll be rich. You know, we can hit one train with a lot of stuff on it. Boom. We're rich boys, you know? And it's just, uh, I always thought Doc Holliday wasn't really a robber. No, Doc wasn't a robber. He was a swindler. He was a gambler that would he would try to swindle you out of your money, yeah, and then he if was you a swindler, he and was if, a, he was just a true lowdown. He never hurt anybody on a massive scale. It's like the Billy Bob Thornton character. Uh, what was his name? Um, uh, damn, I forget. But he's just like, where are you going with that shotgun? You know, and he's just like Doc. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, he's just like, because whenever, you know, Wyatt bitch slaps him in front of everybody. Oh, yeah. Fire. No, that was like one of my favorite scenes from this is where he, uh, and I can't remember the dialogue exactly that he says, but he's like, uh, he was like, he was like, he was like, pull that son of a bitch and fire, yeah. you know? And he was like, uh, he was like, do it. He was like, uh, he said something that he says like, uh, he says like, pull that 
like what is it death wagon or something no, he, he says i like, forgot what he said but it he says something like uh um uh, uh pull that something and go to work boy yeah and he's just like he's like i didn't think so yeah and then he basically just takes his gun from him and throws it over there to the to the owner like, basically like get the fuck out of here yeah get out of here and then you see him like coming around the corner and uh you're doc holiday like say his name and he stops and he was like, and then Wyatt's right there. And he's like, hey, Wyatt, Wyatt, you know, he's like, Wyatt, Wyatt Earp? Yeah. And he was, he just kind of like looks at him and they sit there and talk and he's like, oh. I'm sorry. I forgot you I were there. I forgot you were there. <laughs> you can go now. You can go now. Leave yeah. that shotgun. <laughs> Wyatt tells him to leave the shotgun. I mean, yeah. Doc wouldn't care about that. He's like, you can go now. And Wyatt's like, yeah, leave, leave the shotgun. Leave the shotgun. He's like, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's just like I could have fucking died right there. I yeah. thought I was just going, you know, to shoot some chum, and then some I hear guy Wyatt that Earp embarrassed me. Like, thank, thank you. Yeah, Billy Bob Thornton. And the cool thing about that is Billy Bob Thornton didn't have to do a role like that in those days. No, you know, still to this day, I don't know what I'm talking about. Like he's, you know, he's a superstar, but he just liked the western idea so much, especially. Like Wyatt Earp and Doc Holliday and you know Val Kilmer, he was a huge superstar in these days. He's probably the biggest star in this film in these days. Really, he's probably a bigger star than Kurt Russell at this point. Well, I mean, when you think that he's like at this point, he's already done what the Doors movie. He was in Top Gun. Um, I mean, Kurt Russell was a big star because he did like you know Escape from New L.A. York, and Escape New from New York and stuff, but. And overboard overboard and stuff like that but i, I don't know I, f- I feel like val kilmer probably would have been the bigger star at this point yeah maybe yeah i mean he probably would have been like the guy that had maybe the most going on at that time but they're they're both great and uh val kilmer's actually played wyatt Earp in a like modern movie that happened in the last 10 years and it was pretty good um so yeah Earp is yeah he's kind of why it's like one of those legends that just like he you know, when you talk about like American legends, you know, like there's like legends like John Dillinger, you know, the infamous bank robber or whatever, uh, you know, Dillinger and you have like these kind of guys. But when you mention like Wyatt Earp, like that is like everybody knows that's like an American hero, right? Yeah, I mean, that's what John Wayne based his walk off from. Yeah. Um, he Because he, John Wayne claimed he met Wyatt Earp and he kind of took his walk from Wyatt Earp and that's. Yeah. Oh no! A lot of those, like those early Western guys, they everybody borrowed stuff from Wyatt because he was a real guy, and uh, I remember, uh, well, it was like the um, the since I mentioned Dillinger, I just happened to think of it. I was like during the original days of the FBI when J. Edgar Hoover was the director of the FBI, he kind of they created the FBI around him. Um, some of his early uh, deputies that he had were actually guys that uh, were with. Wyatt Earp, if I remember correctly, he had like, um, was like two of his, two of the guys that he recruited to try and, and track down John Dillinger used to be like, uh, they were marshals under Wyatt Earp, if I remember right. So oh, I don't know who that'd be. I don't, I don't remember those guys' I don't know names. The history of Hoover. Yeah. Um, I know a main reason I know about that is because, uh, like the, uh, the J Edgar movie that DiCaprio did where he played Hoover. Um, they mentioned that in the movie, they were like, we brought in a couple of, uh, 
you know, old school lawmen. And he was like, well, where are these guys from? And it's like, well, these guys used to be in the old West. Like these guys, you know, they were part of Wyatt Earp's crew. And he was like, Oh, well we're, you know, we're going to find Dillinger now. Like, we're going after this guy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that that's good. Hoover was, was great for American FBI. He was also a little, little bit crooked, but yeah, everybody is. Oh yeah. Everyone no, when you look at all the politicians, I mean, Hoover was definitely crooked. Uh, but the things that he did for, uh, especially like intelligence, like, you know, in this country, I, I think he did more good than harm in the long run. Yeah. Uh, but he was corrupt. Um, but that's just crazy to think that you could have guys that used to be part of Wyatt's crew, like one of his marshals. I can't, I can't wrap my head around it. And what's, and, and that, that, that those periods blended over. You know, because Wyatt himself didn't die until 1929. So, I mean, he basically, he got into, what, the very beginning of the Depression era? Because the Depression started in, what, 29? Isn't when the Depression started? I thought it was 31. Was it 31? I, I, I don't have... I, I don't remember, remember off the top of my head. I think it was 1931. It, was th- it might have been. But he died just right before that then. And it's like, he was born in, like, 1848, because I looked it up. He was 81 years old when he died. And it's like, he actually went through the whole, you know, he basically uh, was like, after the Civil War, went through the whole boom period where we expanded out to the Old West and, you know, was the outlaw West and everything. And then got into the 1900s and lived like almost 30 more years. (laughs) You know, it's crazy to think like how he blended the generations like that, you know. He was a man, he was a a man of many... um skills yes and we'll talk more about Wyatt and Doc in detail that'll come up here in a little bit but one of the things that like as far as comments wise that I wanted to get into first was that um people thought that this movie was not accurate and not realistic to the time right and anytime you're doing like a period type movie like this that takes place in a definitive time and place 1881 tombstone arizona like you can look up factual information about this like you were talking about you can look when at they, newspapers you can look at newspapers from tombstone that make references to like shootings or things that ha- like events that happened and that kind of stuff and so it's like we do know understand a lot of things about it hell that's one of the things that america's always been kind of obsessed about is the old outlaw west right um so it says uh, a movie that tries to tell a story like this needs believable characters that speak believable dialogue. And the dialogue in this film is among the most hackneyed and cliche that I've ever seen. Too many characters who blatantly overact and shout their lines scenes punctuated with overdramatic pumped up music. That's supposed to engage and move the viewer, but instead sounds extremely annoying too simplistic unreal sounding dialogue that comes across as laughable upon close scrutiny. This movie or the movie can be measured in groaners per minute as in how many times an actor or actress uh, forced to by the script to say something that no human being would say in real life. There's so many instances of the, of this, that it's distracting cheesy lines come at you in waves, predictable, unoriginal, and often. And if bad dialogue doesn't bother you, then how about the bad gunfights? Few Westerns can show you that uh, gunfighting uh, can show you gunfighting that's completely unbelievable 
while desperately trying to make you take the action seriously. It's okay if there's a comic edge to such gunfighting, such as in Silverado, but in Tombstone, the very staged and stiff choreography of the early gunplay is just another reason to leave this movie off the list of good westerns. The final showdown somewhat redeems the director on this score, but by then I was so disinterested in the movie that it was beyond saving. Okay, so for one, this guy must be an expert at dialogue in the 1800s. Oh, yeah. Obviously, <sighs> right? If he's going to critique how people talked in the fucking late 1800s. People absolutely talked like that in the 1800s. Right. Because we have records of how people talked. That's how they talked. That is exactly how they talked. They didn't talk very straightforward. They uh, they had a really fun way of talking. Actually, way more educated than we talk now. Uh, for the most part, um, I don't, I don't necessarily exactly know what he's referencing. Like I, like I could guess a couple things. That's yeah, but that's the problem with this is that they're like it's unrealistic compared to other westerns. But yet, conspicuously, there's no westerns mentioned besides the one movie Silverado. So yeah, so Silverado. So that's their frame of reference. So Silverado has better dialogue than Tombstone. Well, yeah, well, they're saying that, well, that and then also that uh, the, the gunfights in other movies are more believable than they are in this. Okay, so the gunfights in other movies, I'm guessing he's referencing just any other Western. I would which, imagine, because there's has, no specific examples here. They're just speaking in generalities, which kind of hurts your case, because you can't point to a specific movie where you're like, well, you know, um, you know, say like... Uh, you know, the, the man with no name trilogy, it's got better gunfights than this. If somebody had said that, it's like, well, at least you're, you're trying to set up your point. This, it doesn't feel like there's much of a point. No, it's all blank, but let let me, um, okay. So this is what happened at the battle of OK Corral. So he's saying there's, I know what he's trying to say. The gunfight should last longer, right? Do you know how, how long, the Battle of OK Corral lasted? In real life? Yeah. Uh, probably under two minutes. 30 seconds. 30 seconds? Oh, okay. Literally, the shooting start, people died, and then it ended. Right. Because they're all in close proximity. So when you start shooting, people die. The side that has the most people that died loses. <laughs> yeah. And then the other one wins. I mean, they walked up in the alley. Mm-hmm. And only really only Ike got away, right? And the guy that ran at first, but I don't I don't know if that was like a real thing or they're just like yeah somebody would just fucking get the fuck out of there and run. That um, could have been just a Hollywood added on, you know. Because I don't know who that guy was supposed to be. Yeah. So and I don't think he ever showed back up. But yeah, I guess they were just thinking yeah somebody probably would have just been like oh fuck they're here. I'm, I'm not fucking here. with the Erps. But yeah, I mean yeah. everybody else did die in that alley. Um, and it, it took about 30 seconds. So that's a real gunfight. You don't right. have to have this real drawn out thing. You're talking about the man with no name series. There was literally like stare downs for like, you know, you know, multiple minutes before they even drew a gun. And then they did it at long distances, which isn't how gun actually, you know, gunfights actually happened back in the day. Duels are pretty much like right it's next in, to each other. It's in close proximity. You have about, you know, five to six feet apart or something. It's not yeah. even that far at all. You know, you have these movies. It's like 
10 paces. It's not even that far. No, that that's just done for dramatic effect. Yeah. In a real gunfight, you'd want to be as close as possible to reduce your, your chances that you might miss because you've only got potentially one opportunity to fire. If you get the chance to fire first, you've got to be able to hit something that is yeah. fatal. One of the most realistic duels ever on screen is actually the duel between Doc Holliday and Johnny Ringo. At which- the end? And yeah, it's real because they're almost they're they're almost like just a couple body lengths apart, like arm arm they're literally length. walking in circles. Yeah, and you can see Doc's like you know ready to pull like his uh, his gun, and then Ringo's ready to pull his, and as soon as like he twitches, he just he pulls, boom, shoots him right in the head, and yeah. that's it. That gunfight's over in about two seconds. Yeah. As soon as Doc shoots him in the head, it's over with, you know. And I so th- your your complaint about the gunfight is actually. It's too realistic. Yeah, it's too realistic and they don't last long enough. And it's like, well, the thing is, is that like, this isn't going to be like Commando, right? Where you just see guys running with like a bunch of machine guns and grenades and shit. They just start like, da 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 You didn't have that kind of shit back then. These are fucking revolvers with six shots. You know, like you used to, like you, you would see in the movie, they have to carry like bando, like, uh, like bandoliers full of, of uh, extra bullets because, you know, you didn't have like magazines and you could quickly reload, like drop a magazine, reload, you know, cock it and then go like you do on modern guns. No, you had to sit there and throw like six bullets in a chamber to reload it. You've only got six shots. So gunfights, typically you either had to have multiple guns that are already loaded full of bullets or you'd have to like duck down and try to like reload everything back in the chamber, spin it and then get back out and shoot. And even then you've only got six, six shots per gun. So, you know, it, it, you know, like gunfighting, like whenever you would see Doc with that shotgun literally uses one of the bullets to shoot in the air to scare the horse and the other bullets to shoot the guy in the chest. Then and he that's drops it. The shotgun and, and pulls that, his pistols. Yep. That's it. And, but that's, but I mean, that's kind of like how things went back in those days because you might not have had a ton of time to reload and do, you know, you might not have been able to duck behind something and then jump out and fire and have like this big epic shootout because if you like poke your head out, you'd get shot. You know, so a lot of times if you didn't get a shot immediately, you were going to die. Or if you got them first, they died. Gunfights didn't last that long. You know, it's well documented that gunfights back in those days, they were deadly as shit. That's why in order for you to be a good gunfighter, you had to have extremely fast reflexes. So you got the first shot. Why do you think Doc was so good at it? You know, he was extremely fast and that's why. You know, Billy the Kid lived so long, or not not so long. He didn't live that long. Um, <laughs> that was the outlaw life, man. But like when they talk about like the dialogue being unrealistic and like nobody talks like this, it's like no, like literally the stuff that's said in this movie, like you were talking about, there are some things that are taken like real life verbatim. There's historic documents I that mean, about show the stuff that they had conversations about. So, and then you know, like. <laughs> Uh, Wyatt Earp, uh, he was um, he was a um, consultant in Hollywood. You know, he consulted over westerns and you know people like John Wayne who used his walk and everything like that. So some of that dialogue and the know, way that he talked would have trickled down through Hollywood throughout the ages. You know, trickled down. I mean, just because it doesn't seem like a realistic way to talk now doesn't mean it wasn't a realistic way to talk then. Exactly. You can't, you can't merge your 2000s culture with 1800s dialogue. You're just never going to make that connection. Right. Because 
you we have words now that they never used yeah exactly like that's why there needs to be translation still like if there's something that's even english you know like english saxon from like the you know the 1300s or something like that you know there still has to be a translator even though we know english because that English is so different from ours. Yeah, they had different words for different things. And you wouldn't be able to understand it if you read it. Hell, if you read Dante's Inferno's original version of that book right now without a translation, you wouldn't know what the fuck he was talking about. Well, was then that written in like original Latin or was it? Well, I'm talking about the original translation into English. Oh, okay, okay. Which was like 1400s. Yeah, that's that's an old ass book. That was like a trans. That was the first version of translation was in those days. Yeah, and then you know, like if you read older copies of it, you wouldn't be able to understand it because they didn't speak like we speak. Right. So it's not crazy to think someone that spoke in the eighteen hundreds could speak. I mean, they don't speak that differently. No, but they do use different words. Yeah, like you know when like. When uh, Doc says, like, you know, I'll be your Huckleberry, you know, and it's like people would be like, nobody talks like that. It's like, no, they did back in the late 1800s. That was that was a term that was used. Yeah. the Because you even had thing, a definition for it. Yeah. I mean, the Huckleberry thing was, uh, you know, it was where he was. I mean, it means he's the man for the job. Right. And in the context of that, it means that, like, you know, like, Wyatt's not going to fight you in a gunfight, but I'll be your Huckleberry. Yeah, I'll you kill know? you. Yeah, I will, I'll, I will I'll shoot you. you for real because I don't like you. And, and Doc knew he was drunk, so he just had the pistol behind his back. Right. So it's just like, say when. Yeah. He wasn't even going to draw from the pistol on his hip. He was just going to shoot from his back. It's like if he would have said, let's go, he would have just been boom. Yeah. Okay, Johnny Ringo's done. Because he's leaning up it because uh, and I, th- I always thought it was kind of funny how like when all this is going down and Ringo's coming out and, you know, he's like, I want blood and all that kind of stuff. Like uh, Doc is getting shaved. Like he's getting like shaved by the barber. And he like tells him, he's like, well, hold up for a second. And he gets up and pulls and his pulls pistol his behind his back. And then he kind of leans up against the, uh, the post <laughs> at the barber shop. And he's just kind of like, uh, you know, I'll be your huckleberry. And then, um, and then Curly Bill's probably like, nah, this is, let's, let's kind of cool out because well, Curly Bill, I don't, he didn't know what was going on. Ringo was yeah. drunk and he was threatening people. And then he walked up. Right. And then, you know, that's when Doc's like, say when and he's say like, no, when? no, 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 no. <laughs> Yeah. He's just like, no, he's just, he's just a little drunk. He's just drunk. <laughs> like, don't take him seriously. Yeah. You know, and Doc's and like, I was about to kill you. I was boy. about to shoot the <laughs> fuck out of your boy because, and then, and then after all this shit clears up, he just goes back, sits back in the chair and he's the like, guy proceed, starts sir. proceed, sir. <laughs> and then he just goes ahead and starts shaving him, you know, trimming down and everything. And I'm like, that's, that's the most, that's the most baller shit you could possibly do. Like I almost killed a man. Uh, Doc Holiday, the original Scarface. The original Scarface. Yeah, he could have been. Except yeah. he didn't get killed by anybody. No, <laughs> the only the only thing he was so badass, regular mortal men couldn't kill him. A disease had to kill him, you know. Um, but you could uh, literally say men couldn't take him. God had to take him. <laughs> <laughs> the only man who's tough enough. That he had to be taken by death himself. <laughs> and then when he got there, he challenged God to a gunfight and won. Right. <laughs> so Doc's actually an angel now. Yeah. He earned his wings because he, like, he beat Guy to the draw. <laughs> he was like, well, I'm an angel now. 
<laughs> Bullshit, Doc. Best two out of three. You really want to go again? <sighs> Fuck it. Here's your wings. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just have one stipulation. If I get in, so does Kate. <laughs> it's like, but okay, she's Kate. She's not a good person. She's not like, a good person, man. She brought people. She slept with people. It's like, look, you know, I, I'll vouch for Kate. She gets in. She might in. be the devil, but I, it's not him She's my her. devil. <laughs> fine. <laughs> yeah. All right, fine. Shit. Because we all know God is Morgan Freeman. Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, we'll go and take a break here. When we come back, uh, we will. Um, yeah, we'll we'll talk we'll talk about the Cowboys first. We'll talk about the gang because ooh, people had some issues with them. Okay. But uh, we'll take a break. We'll be right back. And we're back. Uh, that song I wanted to do as a tribute to Bill Paxton. Yep. Rest in peace, Bill. Rest God. in peace. And it's crazy too, like when you think about like how many movies, like he's, he was in like Aliens, and he was in this. Like there's so many like good movies over the years. Yeah, I always like the uh, uh, Twister movie. Yeah, Twister. Yeah, that was good too. Yeah, him and Jodie Foster. Wasn't it Jodie Foster? Uh, I want to say it was. I don't remember off the top of my head. But he was in it. He was he was the main reason I I liked it. Um, it was Helen Hunt. Helen Hunt. Yeah, I yeah. Get those two mixed up. Sorry. <laughs> 
It's the face. It's the face. I think I think that's what it is. Similar similar face. I think I think it's really because they have the same hair color. Maybe. <laughs> but and then again, I wouldn't like ever mistake Julia Roberts for anybody else. Yeah. Hopefully you wouldn't cuz you know she's very unique. Yes. Um but uh so <clears throat> One of the things about this movie that people um, did not like, and this is a somewhat smaller comment because uh, we got to talk about Wyatt Earp and Doc Holliday. We're going to go into that in detail. But I, I was going through and like, there was a lot of people that were like, man, fuck the Cowboys. And not like in Dallas. I mean, fuck the Cowboys, the Dallas Cowboys, definitely. Go Niners, baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Greatest man. Greatest playoff victory of all time. <laughs> Cowboys can eat a dick. Um, a dick? <laughs> uh, but no, when we're talking about like, you know, the, uh, the, uh, some of the original Cowboys, right? Like the, the gang. And, uh, cause that's basically what they were. They were a gang and, and uh, tombstone, but uh, people were just like, yeah, Man. they weren't no Coke addicts. They were opium addicts. Yeah. They were opium addicts. So, Hey, Cowboys doing drugs goes back like a long ways. So basically, when Michael Irvin did cocaine, he was, was just paying—he was just paying homage to the original homage. Cowboys. He should have said that. He was like, "Look, we're cowboys. We're cowboys. We do drugs. We do drugs. <laughs> I did the less of the drugs in cocaine. Yeah, <laughs> I like the movie Scarface. What can I say? Right, I'm on cocaine. Um, uh, but <laughs> oh, so God. was Jimmy Johnson. So yeah. Well, it's like it, you get. I, now I have this image in my head of Michael Irvin at fucking Scarface's desk with the mountain of cocaine. It's just hey, you like wanna, you wanna you wanna snort some of my yell? Yeah, <laughs> get some of this yell, um, cocaine. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it says. I just imagine like a modern day Scarface just sitting there making a drug deal while like Nicki Minaj is blowing him like just during it, like just like yeah, you know how much cocaine you want, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, is that Nikki? Yeah, yeah. Don't worry about it. Yeah, don't worry about it. She's 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 here for her own business. <laughs> it's like, oh man, what the fuck? She puts it in a wrap, man. You're surprised? Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was like she's actually living what she what she sings about, you know. Um, but uh, uh, but it says uh, so the other significant group in the large ensemble cast are the actors playing the cowboys gang. The nemesis of the Earp clan and uh, Doc Holliday. Um, uh, the Cowboys are played by Michael Bean, who's Johnny Ringo, and they say that that's their second favorite performance in the movie. I forget who that person's first favorite performance was. Does he not say? It doesn't. No, I I didn't I didn't use that because it was garbage. Uh, but it says Powers Booth uh, plays the leader, Curly Bill. Uh, Stephen Lang as Ike Clinton. Uh, Thomas Hayden Church is Billy Clinton, his well, brother. I, I thank him for giving us a rundown. Right, yeah, yeah. And Michael Rooker as McMasters. Thank you. Michael Rooker. Uh, in addition to several other character actors, uh, except for Ringo, these characters are all too one-dimensional as villains and have absolutely no layers. They're hateable, but not relatable. Again, Michael Bean's solid portrayal of the educated, contemplative uh, Johnny Ringo being the only exception, which is another problem I had. Ringo appears for hu- disappears for huge chunks of this movie, yet I feel he was the most important member of the Cowboys gang. That it? 
Yeah, that was it. Okay, so bad guys like this that are supposed to be relatable, half of those aren't bad guys. They were just on the Cowboys because they thought that it was going to be a different type of gang. Right. Um, well, like McMasters is, is one of those guys because there's literally that moment later like later on when they're trying to get the revenge on the Earp brothers for the OK Corral thing. They try to kill their women. Yeah, they the guy went in with a shotgun and was like shooting at all the women. And I mean, missed, you know, thankfully. Um, but then McMaster's and like his two guys were like, Hey, you know, we know that, you know, they shot at your women and like, we don't, you know, we don't do business that way. Like we're, you know, we're not about that. We don't live that life. So they threw down their sashes and they're like, you know, Wyatt, if you need us, just let us know. You know, they're like, we, we're on your side, man. We're, we don't go after women. That's just fucked up. Yeah. I mean, so, so that's pretty relatable. So besides, you know, Ringo, it's like, yeah, Ringo does a good performance, but he's a scumbag just like Carly Bill is. Yeah, so other people are relatable. Let, let's just put into this perspective. Uh, how many people would say that they could be relatable to Adolf Hitler? Uh, if, you, <laughs> if you say, like, you know what, I, I think I can understand what Hitler was talking about. That makes you a neo-Nazi. How many right? people could say that they could actually get in the same mind frame as Napoleon Bonaparte? Yeah. If you were like that, then you have very narcissistic tendencies. How many like people, you've got some issues there. How many people could say that they think just like Alexander the Great? Right. I mean, you know, you're talking about like some of the like the, you know, the dictators of, of history right yeah, there. Yeah, Like how, how many people like I'm just talking about bad people. Right. In general, how many people could actually get in that mindset? Because bad people, even modern day bad people, it's hard to understand why they do it. Even when you're watching the news. Yeah, like, like Kim Jong-un and people like yeah, that. Like even when you're watching the news, it's just like uh, standard criminals. Actually, you're just like, why the fuck would you do something like that? Right. You're sitting there as a person that's just watching it. It's like, well, why the fuck would you, you know, rob a, you know, fucking children's hospital why would you try that why why the fuck would you do that man those kids need help and you're fucking trying to rob them like rob them and stuff what the fuck's wrong with you you know that's how you think bad people are you know actually the most understandable thing that you could do in a movie is make a bad guy not understandable but this is the wrong movie for that because everyone here actually has a pretty good case to why they're here you know, it's a Western. This is the the West. Most of the outlaws were made after the Civil War. Right. You know, because the Confederate soldiers, whenever they're, they're, they lost the war, you know, a lot of a lot of things, you know, don't understand. And some people are just like, yeah, well, fuck them. They deserve it. You know, but they, they came home. You know, people were trying to take their lands, you know. And uh, yeah, maybe they, their wife has, you know, left them. Maybe their wife or, is dead or killed during or the war by Native Americans or just northern soldiers just leaving that side of the territory. Yeah. Our northern soldiers come home and then they have nothing. And this is how the outlaws were created. Like li- literally like Jesse James was a Confederate soldier and uh, he, you know, his family was just having their land taken from him because they wanted to build a railroad through it. Right. And he didn't believe in the cause he fought for, but he was a soldier. So that's the thing that you got to understand. Like a lot of soldiers, like you could say, like, like, like if we lost an actual war, our people would come home. History books would say that the other side was right. 
you know, and um, history is written written by the victors. You know, they would say that they're right. You don't know if they're they're right or wrong. Now, the South versus the North, inevitably, the the North was correct. They didn't win in the correct way because they used, you know, slavery to win it, and they had slaves in the North, and you know, people had slaves in the South, and everyone was wrong, but. The, the, the point of the, the, the war ending wasn't who was right or wrong. is what, what we were going to progress as a united country. And overall, the country won. And that's what, you know, that's what Because we were saying. stronger after it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. We're all stronger after it. We all won after because we changed our, our bullshit ways no matter what side it was. Because that's the thing that always fucks shit up. It's like, oh, what side are you on? It's like no, you're just trying to pin us against each other. Mm-hmm. That's all you're trying to. People still do. do that to this day. Yeah, you that's know, because you're trying to do I, is pin us against each other. We're not on the side; we're on the same side. That's why it says united, motherfucker. Right. We're all united now. The shit's over with. Yeah. That's, well, and, and that's one of the things because, like, like when you know, when I was growing up, I grew up in Illinois, and of course, it's the land of Lincoln. Lincoln is basically like he's put on the pedestal, with, like right there with Jesus, right? As far as like. This mythical figure. Even though he had some dark shit about him, too. Lincoln had some dark shit about him, but he also did some good things for the country, too. So, you know, with Lincoln, it's kind of a mixed bag. There's a lot of interesting things about that dude. And no president's probably ever going to be completely, like, like, untouchable, right? Every president... no president should be. Yeah. Because that's the point of America. Everything, everyone is flawed, but together... We're supposed to be the best country in the world. Right. That was the point of the Civil War. Right. You know, it doesn't matter what side did what what many wrongs. But at the end, the end result, even Robert E. Lee knew that, uh, you know, what, you know, not not what he was doing was wrong. But he's, he didn't surrender because they couldn't get fighting. He surrendered because he was like, this has to end somewhere. Yeah. And it ended. And he was even as against the statues being put up about the Confederate soldiers because he was like, no, we shouldn't celebrate that. We lost. We, we, it, it's, it's over with. Just let it go. So, you know, you, can, you shouldn't build monuments for, for, for regression, basically. It's like, look, wars are fought and won and lost. But that, that war wasn't about one certain thing. It was about the country actually ending you know, oh, I want to do it this way. I want to do it that way. That was really what that war was about because the, the South was like, hey, we want to do this this way. And the North was like, no, we kind of want to do it this way. And it's like, well, we just want to be over here. It's like, no, no, no. We're not going to be on the same landmass and just say you're here and you're there because look at North and South Korea. Yeah. That's what we would be if that wasn't a solution to the war. We're united. We're the United States of America. We're all the same people. Yeah, but the problem that you have is that you have all these guys that went to war and came home and they're like, fuck, I have nothing. What do I have to lose? Like, I, they, I've already lost everything. Yeah, I lost my land. I lost my family. That's why outlaws existed is yeah. because they were, they were like, well, I just fought this war and we lost our one. I mean, even the northern people had outlaws because they came home and they're like, well, I'm poor. Yeah. I just fought this war for all these years. I came home. I have no money. Yeah. Like, cause no my, land, like, nothing. I, my government didn't take care of me. I just fought a war. I come home. I'm fucking broke. My right. kids are starving. My family's fucked. Let me start robbing people. Yeah. And Let like, me go well, rob a train. You're the bad guys now. No, we're not. We're the good guys that just, you know, won or lost the war. Like a lot of these people, 
you know, had family that could have died if they didn't fight for their side and stuff. They were fighting for what they thought was important to them. And it might have not been the same thing that you were told they were fighting for. You know, Jesse James literally said, I was fighting so I can make money to keep our property. Right. Because that was a, the, that was the James family property. And as soon as the war ended, he found out the railroads was just going to take his family's land. Yeah. Whenever that's what he was fighting for the whole time. Was to have like freedom to have his own land, have his own family. Yeah, he was just like, no, 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 no fuck, fuck that. that. I'm just gonna take what I'm I want now. Take every and the thing about Jesse James, he only robbed from the railroad. Right. The people that was trying to take shit from him, that's who he took from. Yeah, he was a train robber. Yeah, but then he gave it back to his entire community. Right. Well, and that was like because like one of the parallels because we were talking about John Dillinger. John mm-hmm. Dillinger only robbed banks. He didn't rob regular people. He held yeah. up banks and. That was one of the things that, you know, the early Americans were thinking of him as a little bit of a hero because, you know, people vilified John Dillinger now like he was this nasty bank robber. And it's like, well, the thing was, is that he only stole from like really rich banks because he knew that they had the money. And it was like, you have all these people that were like, yeah, it's all insured money. So it's like, nobody's really going to miss out on this. And so, you know, Dillinger was like, I'm basically just taking what I want because the government at that time, that was, that was the recession era and, uh, or the, the depression era, sorry. So, you know, a lot of people were lined up in bread lines and stuff, just trying to like scrape by a little bit of money to go to a bread line and get some kind of food. And so Dillinger was like, fuck that. I'm going to go to a bank. I'm going to take what I want. And he put together his crew and was like, we're just going to go after stuff. And that's how you get villains like this. People forget. It's like people sometimes don't realize how we got pirates in the Caribbean. It was because you had all these wars between like the Spanish and the English and the Portuguese and all, you know, the French and all these different countries. So if you're in like, if you're in Wales or you're in like Scotland or England and you were serving the crown fighting the Spanish for say 10 years, and then all of a sudden they're like, well, you know, we're done with the Spanish. So you know, we're, you, we have nothing for you to do. You're not part of the Navy anymore. And, and Fr- the French were, the French was a cause for a lot of those wars. Oh yeah. No, they were. Uh, um, but then, you know, a lot of times they would come back home and they would be like, well, fuck, I don't have anything left because everything that I had was taken by the crown when I was gone because they took my land, like whatever. It's like, can you give us some of this back? I was out fine for you. No, it's ours now. No, it's the, it's the property of the crown. It's okay, not your property. Okay, okay. So well, a lot of these guys, okay. so a lot of these Black guys, the pirate happened because of you fucks. That's yeah. how he happened. Yeah. Calico Jack, all those infamous pirates, you know, that's where they started. Jack Sparrow. Jack Sparrow. <laughs> He wasn't. Yeah. Um, but, but he could have been. But that's how the that's how those outlaws started was because they were coming back from like, you know, the, the Spanish and English wars and stuff. It's all and, because of wars and not taking care of your veterans. America. Right. <coughs> yeah. Hit, motherfuckers. Yeah. These guys came back from Vietnam with all these problems and you're like, well, fuck, that's not our problem. It's yeah, like, no, you're problem. the ones who put us in that fucking jungle. You wanted that war. We didn't want that war. Like the whole country didn't want that war. You fuckers did. You should take care of people. Right. Actually, America doesn't want any war. So any war you put us in, you should take care of your fucking veterans. Right. That's what this show's about. Take care of your fucking veterans. And then they won't become scumbag, you know, gang members that are trying. Scumbags. A lot of times, these people never killed innocent people. No. They always like, like we were just talking, like Doc Holliday. He only really killed scumbags. Yeah. 
You know, like all these other people, like Jesse James and stuff, he never killed innocent people. He killed a lot of people. He never killed innocent people, though. No. It was always these fucking douchebags. Yeah. And that's, I think, one of the things that's like, you know, and when you have these guys that did go to war and did these things, like in the pirate example, it's like, what were they good at? They were good at running a ship and being part of the Navy. So it's like, that was what they were trained to do, how to run a ship, how to attack other ships and take their stuff and that kind of thing. So they're like, fuck, let's go into business for ourselves. So if this teaches anything about history, what do you think is going to happen Whenever you give guns to someone that you're like, hey, defend yourself. And then you abandon them. Right. They're going to become terrorists. What happened to the <laughs> Mujahideen during the 1980s? We gave them a bunch of guns. They so became like, like, hey, yeah, it's like, <laughs> hey, in the 80s, it's like, hey, we want you guys to help us fight the Russians. Because we know the Russians are trying to like invade on your turf. So we're going to give you a bunch of guns, show you how to use them. And so you can fight to help us fight the Russians. And, and they were like, cool. Them. And then you abandon them in the desert with all this fucking weaponry. And then, and then they become like, Al Qaeda. Yeah. And then they become Al Qaeda. We created terrorism for ourselves. Right. And this wasn't the first time we've done this. We do this all the time. And it's because we don't, you know, those who do not learn from history are doomed to repeat it. And that's one of the problems. That's the reason you have gangs like the Cowboys during this time, because a lot of these guys didn't have shit. When they came home from the war, they had absolutely yeah, fuck all nothing. Because I think the Cowboys were actually the result of the Mexican-American War. Uh, is, that, is that right? I would. I, th- I think so, yeah. And uh, you probably have some of these guys that might have lost, you know, their family members due to, you know, Native American wars, too, because there was a bunch of those. But oh, you mean the Native American genocide? Yeah, basically. That was basically a, a cause of Christopher Columbus. Right. Fuck that guy. I don't celebrate Columbus Day. Yeah, Columbus Day is just another day, really. It's yeah. like genocidal fuckface. I know everybody like celebrates that dude as this great explorer, and is like, yeah, but if you know really a lot about that dude, he he's not a person you really want to celebrate. Not a good the holiday is very seriously skewed towards the positive, and he wasn't really a positive dude, you know. Yeah. Um, Cherokee breed bitches. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but like the thing about like the the cowboys, like the very beginning of this, they literally shoot this guy on his wedding day. Because they said that, like, um, you know, some of the... They go to rape the wife. Yeah, they go to rape the wife. Like, they take her into the church or whatever, and then, like, the um, the, the father, or, well, like, the... the uh, see Michael Roker's The father of the church. Like, he's just like, what the, you know, what the fuck are you guys yeah. about to do? Like, he's, like, looking at it, and then they just end up shooting her, and then he's just right. like... Man, if they, yeah. And that's the thing. It's like these guys are like they they set the tone very early on that these guys, some of them, the really bad part of the group, which is like mainly Curly Bill and his like immediate cronies. Some of them are terrible. No, Curly Bill does not give one fuck. No, that was his real personality in real life. And then um, the historically inaccurate thing that people were talking about. Actually, the one of the most unbelievable moments in the movie is whenever. Um, uh, Wyatt Earp goes into the water with Curly Bill shooting at him and he's shooting at him like a point blank range and he misses and he misses and he misses like maybe less than 10 feet away from Wyatt Earp and then Wyatt kills him. Right. That's 100% accurate. That's exactly what happened. Oh, that is a real part of history. 
Because everyone that was there that lived, they were like, that's exactly what happened. Yeah. They were like, literally, Wyatt just walked in the water with him, and the guy shot at him point blank range and missed him three times in a row. And then Wyatt finally got him with a shotgun. Shot him in the chest. Yeah. And they were just like, it was the craziest thing they've ever seen. Because Wyatt was just like, you know, fuck this. We're going to die right here, right now. And he just got up and he just walked in the water. And that dude just right. shot at him. And Wyatt, he missed like less than 10 feet away. And this is Curly Bill. He was a really good shot. Yeah, he was an infamous outlaw. Yeah. Yeah. like, And he missed three times in a row enough for Wyatt to get that shotgun up and shoot him in the chest. And that 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 was actually like has an historically accurate accurate scene. And people would point to that, and they're like, "Oh, he wouldn't have missed that, you know, that close." Yeah. And it's like, but that's really what happened. That's what happened. And so you're hating on the movie, saying like that's not accurate. You know, like you couldn't have, like, you couldn't have missed that close. I mean, come on. It's like, no, he did. He seriously did because they had witnesses. He did because I don't know. Maybe he got too excited. Maybe he panicked. Or, yeah, because I mean, when who would because if you're if you're in the pond like that and you're or well, it was a lake, right? It was the shallow part of the lake. Uh, yeah, yeah, I yeah. think so, or maybe it was like a somewhat deep pond. But anyway, but he's like shooting at him. You're not expecting Wyatt to just jump up off the ground with a shotgun and just walk straight towards you. So you're kind of like, what the fuck? Like, you know, and part of you is probably. With them, and you're you're probably actually probably missing because of the water that's hitting your legs. Maybe because, maybe it's throwing you off balance. Because when you shoot, generally you have to have your legs planted pretty well to get yeah. a pretty clean shot. So probably the waves. Your footwork is a big and deal on your base. Gun, especially yeah. a double barrel shotgun like Wyatt had. You have a really wide range. You have a widespread. So that's probably actually what happened. More accurate to history, if you're in water and you're trying to shoot somebody. Your aim probably is going to be a bit off because you're dealing with the current. You're dealing with the current, but if you have a shotgun like Wyatt did, boom. Done. Over done. with. So, yeah, that actually does sound pretty right. So, since we're talking about Wyatt and also Doc, uh, we'll, we'll jump to that, right? Yes. So... Because I feel like I feel like we defend well, if you, as much as you can defend the Cowboys, but I think their depiction in the movie is is pretty spot on. I mean, especially because they have historical records of a lot of these they guys. They at least resign Ezekiel Elliott. Right. <laughs> Don't fuck up with Dak though. Seriously, <laughs> he's probably your future. Hopefully, he's your future. Um, but uh, <laughs> one thing you need to do is you need to get Skip Bayless off of your dick because that's not a good guy to have around. Um. <laughs> he loves he loves the cowboys <laughs> and he also loves the cocaine um <laughs> yeah he's a cocaine <laughs> allegedly 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 like cuba gooding jr's allegedly a sexual assault person <laughs> well we're not getting into that anyway um <laughs> allegedly allegedly uh so it says uh the film's casting is generally atrocious, <laughs> which to me, like when I first read this, that I was, is the most ridiculous sentence I've ever heard. Yeah. I almost, I was like, okay, I got to keep going because I'm already down the rabbit hole. Now I got to see how I'll retarded okay, this the goes. Show's over. Thank you. This has been beyond. The <laughs> right. Because uh, I don't even know how. Oh, it gets, keep going. It, it goes keep into going. detail. So, so the film's casting is generally atrocious, right? Uh, Kurt Russell complete with, uh, 
the ugliest mustache, looks too young to play a retired Wyatt Earp. I didn't like how they portrayed Wyatt at all anyway. They made it look like he was a fairly passive player in all this and didn't want to get involved in enforcing anything, which is absurd. He was a very experienced lawman in real life. What were they thinking in portraying him like this? Then they swung the pendulum the other way by making it look like he went out and killed about 30 cowboy gang members, and it was only about three. Uh, They also had Doc killing Ringo, but it was actually Wyatt that killed him in real life. In the movie, Wyatt didn't seek uh, Curly kill White, but uh, which was like the uh, the sheriff guy. Uh, but in real life, he did, and even testified uh, to Curly's behalf that it was an accident when he was handing his pistols over. Uh, before White died, he even said it was an accident. <laughs> so, do you want to just go talk about Wyatt real quick, and then we we do Doc's segment? Or you want me to read Doc's no, no, thing? No, 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 no. We, we'll talk we about have, Wyatt yeah, for a we sec. Have, we have to cover this. Okay, and then we'll so, move on to Doc um, after. So tell me the first part again. Uh, it says um, he was. He looked like he was a fairly passive player in all this and didn't want to get involved in enforcing anything, which is absurd. He was a very experienced lawman in real life. What were they thinking in portraying him like this? Okay, for one, he was not. He was not a very experienced lawman at this point in his life. And he, he technically never was. He was just so really good at Dodge City that he he became a he had a reputation. He had he kind of became some of a of a legend because Dodge that. City was kind of like the untamable city, right? And Wyatt kind of brought order to it, right? Know? So, um, uh, yeah. So he wasn't that much experienced of a. Um, you know, lawman. And he also didn't really care for it anymore. He wanted to be rich and famous. That's why he moved to Tombstone in the first place was to try and get in some of that silver action. He wanted everybody to come with him. Now reread the second part after that. Uh, it says, then they swung the pendulum the other way by making it look like he went out and killed about, uh, 30, uh, cowboy gang members. It was only about three. And they also had Doc killing uh, Johnny Ringo, but it was actually Wyatt that killed him. Actually, it wasn't Wyatt that killed him at all, and no one's ever thought that <laughs> in the history of historians. No one's ever thought That's that... That's fake news. <laughs> no one's ever thought that Wyatt Earp killed Johnny Ringo. But there's no proof that Doc Halliday killed him either. Technically, the official report is Johnny Ringo killed himself. Yeah, self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head, right? Is that how you wanted this movie to end? Where he just shoots not. himself? Because, yeah. I mean, this is a Hollywood movie. You still have, need to have some sort of a payoff where there's like a face-off between them. Because so, in the context of the movie, he's expecting Wyatt to show up to duel him, you know, and it's actually Doc that does. Yeah, so technically, Billy Claiborne, after Johnny Ringo killed himself, claimed that Buckskin Frank Leslie killed... Ringo and he saw him do it. Then he went to avenge Johnny Ringo and uh, called um, Buckskin Frank Leslie outside of the bar, missed the shot, and then Frank Leslie killed him. And then he shot him, yeah. And um, Buckskin Frank Leslie uh, killed him. Lily Claiborne is the only person that claimed that Buckskin Frank Leslie killed Johnny Ringo. But most people, the the most popular thing is that Johnny Ringo killed himself because 
he was laid up against a tree trunk, kind of like he did in this movie. Like he was, he was found laid up and shot in the temple. Um, and he had a gun that had gunpowder residue on it with one bullet missing. Right. So that looks like suicide and most likely probably was. Because he knew that the, you know, Earp Marshals were closing in on him and he'd rather just die than... Rotten jail. Rotten jail. So you do not know your history, my friend. If you're just like, no, actually, Wyatt Earp killed him. Actually, no, he didn't. <laughs> you need to do something called research. Not Doc Holliday. The only other person that could have even happened is uh, Buckskin Frank Leslie, but that most likely was also false. It was probably just Billy Claiborne having a personal issue with... Buckskin Frank Leslie and just wanted to try to have a justification to try to kill him. Yeah, as like and, a reason why, yeah. Yeah, and, and that, that's what most people think. It's like, well, he just probably, you know, lost in multiple card games to Buckskin Frank Leslie, and then it's just like, oh, no, he killed Johnny Ringo, so I have a justification to try I'm to I'm going to shoot him to get revenge, yeah. And then he shot and missed, and then he got murdered also. <laughs> right. So, so most likely, yeah, I, I think the most believable story here is Johnny Ringo killed himself. Yeah. But, but I mean, in the movie, that would be an unsatisfying finish. So, of course, they're going to like, hey, well, you're going to have, you know, Doc Doolin. Well, in the movie, the, the, it, it leads, you know, it's going to lead. I think, I think the, the buildup is, you know, it's going to lead to Doc Holliday. Showing up to Doolin. And, and uh, nobody, and also nobody knows exactly how many cowboys... Um, White Herb killed. Yeah. Some people say, you know, he might have just scared them all away or he might have killed a few of them. Nobody knows. Yeah, because, I mean, they don't really have records of that because there wasn't any witnesses. They didn't class... They didn't uh, document anything. So he could have killed 500 people. No one would ever know him, or he could have killed two. Yeah. Could have been five. We don't know. So it was just a cinematic choice where they're just like, let's just make this fun because... We have no way of knowing, but we do know that he was, you know, marshalized and he did eliminate the Cowboys. Right. And then he also marshalized his, uh, his brothers. Yeah. His brothers and, um, well, and his Doc. surviving brothers. And, uh, yeah, because uh, at that point, um, uh, well, Morgan had been killed. Morgan is killed. And then, uh, in the Virgil movie, had Virgil had a wound. He lost the loose of his left arm. Which because of a gunshot wound. Virgil was was the uh, more successful lawman even without an arm because he became a lawman with one arm after that and he was fucking awesome. How long did Virgil live on? Oh, he lived for a, for a while, probably into his seventies. Oh, really? So Morgan was the only one who actually died out of the Earp brothers, right? From the from the the, the firefights. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Virgil didn't die through the firefights. Because I thought I read something that said that uh, that Virgil uh, actually was killed in that, and that uh, he he was killed on the train uh, when he was like trying to get out, you know, to go to California or whatever. I, I read something that they something about that, but I wasn't sure if that was true. Maybe that was just a speculation. That no, that must have been speculation. That could have even been speculation that Wyatt Earp sent out. Uh, maybe to make baby pe- people think that he was dead to leave Virgil alone until this thing was over with. Yeah. Well, yeah. So Virgil, he lived, uh, until 1905. He was 62 when he died. Yeah. 
So yeah, I was close. I, I was like, yeah, I knew I knew he lived a long time. Yeah, but no, he didn't ki- get killed on the train. Definitely, I knew that because uh, he was one of the most successful like herps. Like literally, he would have been the superstar if um, Wyatt wasn't so good at you know letting everybody know that Wyatt existed. Yeah, it's uh, that's just kind of insane to think. Yeah, because Virgil, he was born in uh, 1843. So he would have been five, five years older than, than Wyatt. But I remember like, I looked it up because like when somebody was like, when they were saying that, like, you know, he looks like he's, uh, uh, what was the thing again? Um, uh, I didn't like how they portrayed Wyatt. Uh, uh, yeah. Kurt Russell complete with the, with the ugliest mustache, Looks too young to play a retired Wyatt Earp. And I was like, okay, if you actually do the... Because you can look this up on Wikipedia. This isn't some shit that just John Super knows. Super easy, barely an inconvenience. Barely an inconvenience. So I looked up and I was like, okay, when was he born? 1848. And at the point that this movie takes place is 1881 when he gets to Tombstone. So he would have been 33 years old at the time, uh, depending on when his birthday was. 32, 33. I didn't exactly dial in the exact day. But 32, 33 years old. Kurt Russell looks like he could pass for a 32, 33 year old in this movie, right? He doesn't are, look super old. Are a 40 year old, are an 18 year old. Who the fuck knows how to age Kurt Russell? <laughs> right. <laughs> he still looks pretty damn young now. And even when you see him as like ego and fucking Guardians of the Galaxy, you're like, damn, that dude, like, he still looks pretty young. <laughs> it's like, crazy. I, they had to gray his beard completely to make him look that old. Yeah, because he normally doesn't, his beard isn't his, that his old looking. His beard isn't solid. It's gray. that, not, not that gray, no. Uh, which isn't just nuts when you when you see that because you're like, man, that's that's crazy that they had to they had to age him up to make him look older. It's like it's Patrick like, wow. Stewart syndrome. Right? Yeah. It's like we need to make you look older, and it's like I'm in my seventies, and it's, it's like, like, but you don't make, look old we need enough. To make you look old like Professor X. We need to make you look super more wrinkly. It's like, and well, it's, how old is Professor X supposed to be in this? He's supposed to be in his seventies. Right. I'm in my seventies. It's like, yeah, but you look fucking. Young as shit. Right. <laughs> what the fuck? Are, do you have powers like Keanu Reeves? What you the get hell? A TV show at 70 years old? What the fuck? Right. <laughs> that's just unfair to everybody else. But, you know, like this, like there's, and that's, I think one of the problems is, is that like, there's a lot of people that like, when they go on here, they're just like talking about like, well, that's not how it happened in real life. This movie is inconsistent as shit. It's like you were saying earlier, you're like, actually, they spent a lot of time making sure that this movie was pretty historically accurate. Yeah. And everything else, they just kind of had to fill in as they feel. Because, because they didn't know. Because you can't be like, oh, well, that part's not accurate. It's like, well, how the fuck do you know? Were you around in 1881 to, to, to be able to tell? Cause it's like, because they don't even know. They're just no. like, well, we have to fill in some blanks because we can't be like, we can only film the parts we know for sure. Right. It's like, no, we have to tell a complete story. So it's, like, it's not a documentary. It's a fucking Hollywood drama. You know, uh, a Hollywood drama that takes place in the 1800s. Yeah. It's might as well be the fucking dark ages because they you hardly recorded shit back then. Like literally there's a whole period of history that you fuckers completely agree. Whenever they say 
you know, like, whenever they make a movie, it's like, oh, yeah, that that's historically accurate. They didn't record shit for, like, 500 years. A lot of it's just conjecture. A lot of times we don't know. Yeah. Like, we still, we're still finding shit out about the Egyptians that we didn't know because we still find, like, tombs and monuments and shit, and there's new things that come out, and they're like, well, fuck, maybe we have some of this Egyptology they shit that? wrong. They didn't, know, they didn't know math like that. Oh, shit. Yeah, they did. Yeah. You know, it's like when you look at like civilizations, like uh, was it the the Mayans? They had like fucking working indoor plumbing. It was an ancient civilization, and you know, because I watched the Ancient Aliens show, and they they talk about a lot of these things. They're like, how the fuck do these ancient people have all this mathematical knowledge and everything? And it's like it could be that maybe they were just smarter than we actually. Maybe there was a bunch of knowledge that they had back in those days that we lost somewhere. And we just, we, maybe we haven't gotten it back until now, but there's like some of those monuments and some of those like, uh, pyramids and tombs and stuff like that. You know, it's like, it's difficult for us with modern technology and cranes to lift those rocks. You know what I think you know? it is? It, it, everyone gets so smart, then fucking millennials happen. And then it just resets. Yeah, after after like a millennium, like we just go completely stupid again. So that means that we're in, we're in a down period now where we're everything's going to get dumber fucking forget how to build shit we're gonna go we're gonna go uh math is gonna go to shit everything's just gonna go blank after this is like well the millennials are taking over now and this everything's gonna go blank and then chaos is gonna happen and then it's all just gonna restart it's just gonna restart as a new cycle yeah uh but uh so we'll get on to doc now right well, let's take a, let's take one break real quick and then we'll get on to doc Okay. Well, so yeah, we'll finish. We'll do Doc's uh, segment, and then we'll. I'll have another bit here at the end, so that'll kind of be the finish. Okay. okay. There we go. Yeah. We'll be back in just a second.
And we're back. It's kind of interesting because, like, when you hear this song back, it's like, you know, it, it, it kind of reminds you of Wyatt, you know, going out to kill the, you know, what's left of the Cowboys. It's, yeah, 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 yeah. It kind of makes, yeah, in context, it kind of makes more sense. It's a really, you, yeah, it's a really good song for, like, a, like if you want to do a modern-day Western or something. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, good old five-finger death punch. And it was originally Bad Company. Bad Company. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> it is really, yeah, it's, but it's a really good song, just period. Oh yeah, definitely. Pretty much anything that Five Finger does is amazing. You yeah. Know? Exactly. Um, but uh, since we uh, before the break we were talking about Doc Holiday, let's get into some uh, some Doc Holiday, right? So it. <laughs> this is gonna get you right here at the beginning. Despite being too young to play Doc Holliday, Val Kilmer gives a somewhat okay performance as the alcoholic gunslinger. What blows me away is that uh, is is most of all the praise for Val Kilmer's performance as Doc. His pathetic attempt at a southern accent is excruciating to watch. I don't know how he did it with a straight face. To all you Yankees up north, let me assure you that no one really talks like that, except in Hollywood, of course. I don't know what he was thinking when he decided to play him as a kind of dandy boy. Doc Holliday was a pretty tough guy in real life and certainly wasn't a sissy. On a side note, they really lessened the real-life role of Big Nose Kate in the movie. She wasn't some nobody bar girl in real life. (laughs) Okay. Val Kilmer, I will say this, Val Kilmer's performance as, as Doc Holliday is what I think of when somebody mentions Doc Holliday. If they bring him up, I immediately think of Val Kilmer because I'm like, I, I feel like he nailed it. I mean, as much as we know about Doc, we don't really know how he talked. Like, I, yeah, that, that's the thing. So, so you don't actually know how Val Kilmer talked. It could have been a hundred percent accurate. You don't know. Like, yeah, yeah. It, it, it could have been completely wrong. You Val know? Kilmer had to invent the language by, but we all do, we do know that um, uh, Doc Holliday was an intellectual from Georgia. Georgia, yeah. So he would have had some a southern accent of some in degree. the eighteen hundreds. Right. We don't have any audio recording of Doc Holliday, so we don't know exactly how his voice sounded. Yeah, he didn't live long enough to actually be recorded in regular audio. But dialect coaches, just from the language that we had in the the later 1800s, surmised that Doc Holliday would talk similar to what Val Kilmer did. And Val Kilmer created a language around whatever they were saying. Like, these, these are the syllables that would have been... Uh, available in the South at the time. This is how this stuff works. He didn't just freeball this shit. Right. Uh, it's not like he's he's because he's a, a professional rap. actor. <laughs> he's a professional actor and one of the you know better actors that you get to see on screen. Uh, you know. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Love or hate Val Kilmer, he's done amazing things with amazing characters. It yeah. doesn't. It doesn't matter what your opinion is on him. The fact is. The guy can take things to different levels, no matter what you say. And this being one of them. This is one of them. This is one of the most iconic roles, not of Val Kilmer's filmology, but of of all time. Right. This is unarguably something that Val Kilmer can put on his, his pedestal alongside of Heath Ledger's Joker 
and you know, uh, uh, fucking um, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's The Revenant, and then you know all these these other great characters. Like Brando is the Godfather. You got yeah yeah uh, Brando is the Godfather. Meryl Streep and The Devil Wears Prada. You know. Oh um, yeah yeah that was good stuff. You know all these all these iconic. Fucking Sigourney Weaver as Ripley. Yeah, Ellen Ripley as Ripley. Arnold Schwarzenegger as the Terminator. Like these. Un, like, iconic roles like these no one else can play these fucking roles like no one like literally you're just like hey yeah who who are we gonna play the next joker yeah we're gonna get jared leto because he did some cool shit and it's like <laughs> now what are you gonna do now and it's like well i'm gonna go just oh fuck that dude that's done all right we're gonna know, get we're, joaquin phoenix who's a real actor we're, we're gonna forget about this shit or like literally like joaquin phoenix is as johnny cash you know, that, Yo, that yeah. should be up on the fucking iconic board. There's some times where shit happens where you have to throw people on these icon boards where it's just like, yeah, no one's ever going to do this. Uh, Al Pacino as Scarface. Yeah, I was going to say Scarface. Yeah, 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 yeah. No one is ever going to duplicate it. No. You can get Diego Luna if you want to because he kind of looks like Al Pacino back in the days. But he, what, what is he going to do? copy al pacino is he gonna outperform him that doesn't mean anything to me it's like oh okay you can do what he did congratulations i still like the other movie better than because it's the original right so so don't don't tell me val kilmer can't act if you're just like oh well so and so can can you tell me who did doc holiday better yeah, and that's the one of the things that gets me is it's like not only is is he having to be doc in terms of like this you know gambler he's a card player he's like a you know I mean he's he's a hustler because he'll hustle you out of your money in you know no time but he's also probably one of the fastest you know draws for a pistol that like we've ever seen yeah right but on top of all this so he's got to be able to do that he has to be able val actually has to learn like you were talking about earlier he has to learn how to quick draw a pistol and then the coin thing on his hands yeah which doing, he added himself doing the the where he like flips the coin around and, and stuff years and years later johnny depp uses for jack sparrow right that wasn't that wasn't a separate uh, mind thought. Johnny Depp uses it because Val Kilmer used it. Johnny Depp, one of the greatest actors of all time, borrowed took from Kilmer some of his stuff from Val Kilmer as Doc Holliday to be Jack Sparrow. Right. Think about that for a second. Yeah. These are the people that that this this is why Hollywood he influenced a generation of actors by doing yeah, this. Yeah, it, it's just like. Every actor ever, you know, people from uh, after, you know, like Jimmy Stewart era and, you know, Paul Newman and stuff like that. There's a whole new generation of it. There probably wouldn't be a Tom Hanks without like a Paul Newman, you know, like literally yeah. like the, there wouldn't there wouldn't have been a. a oh, child. yeah. No, Tom Hanks probably is the, the new generation. Paul Newman. Yeah. There, yeah. there, there wouldn't have been like just a like it's just Tom a Hanks. fucking wholesome dude that like nobody can talk shit about. Yeah. It's like, you know what? Fuck Paul. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. You whoa. Been, you're talking like, about Paul Newman. Just imagine if you're like in Boston or something <laughs> like that. And you're like, you know, what? I fucking hate, hate Paul. You better say Walker. Yeah. You better say Paul or something. You better you say, say something after that besides Newman. Yeah. <laughs> because you're about to get fucking murdered. Right. Jerry Seinfeld literally named a dude Newman because of Paul Newman. Uh, pa- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Um, so, uh, just for like, because people are saying that like he uh, he was too young to play Doc Holliday, right? So Doc was born actually like three days before my birthday, August fourteenth, eighteen fifty one. So at the time, rest in peace. Rest in sixty-eight years old. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Died last week. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but uh, yeah, Doc. He was born in eighteen fifty-one in Griffin, Georgia. So he, at the time of the uh, the the tombstone events and the shootout at the OK Corral and everything, he would have been exactly thirty years old. Val looks like he could pass for a you know thirty year old in this movie. Uh, Val Kilmer was born in nineteen fifty nine. Yeah. Um, this was done in nineteen ninety three. Right. So he would have been a little bit older than Doc would have been in, in real life. But, but Val, is I mean, a beautiful man. Right. Yes, he he's a beautiful man. Um, but uh, the one thing that I was going to ask, and I don't know if you found it in your notes. How did they make him look like he's actually suffering from tuberculosis? Because he does look pale. He's basically sweaty almost the whole movie. Like, I don't know if it's just, was it something that like that Val did to prepare? Like, did he do something to himself to make himself look pale on purpose? It's all Val Kilmer, baby. That wasn't makeup. That wasn't makeup. So how the fuck did he do that? Well, they filmed it in uh, Tucson, Arizona. So they actually filmed in Arizona. Okay. So they filmed it in Tucson, Arizona, and Val Kilmer stayed out in the heat a lot, and uh, he didn't actually wear too much makeup. This was just Val Kilmer. He got really skinny. Uh, he was already kind of skinny, but he got really skinny for the role. Yeah. And uh, the rest of the stuff was just Val Kilmer wanting to film the scenes out in the elements. Okay, so they didn't film it in studio. They were filming it outside. So whenever he was sweating, he was really sweating. It wasn't like fake sweat or anything like that. Yeah, he's actually sweating, and that's because it's like because he, he looks really, really sick in some of yeah. these scenes. So, like especially when he's on the bed and he's ba- like all the colors gone from his face, and why it's kind of like coming to visit him at the uh, at the well, it's really at the sanatorium. Yeah, and it's like, how the fuck does he... Yeah, I'm like, I thought maybe they did something to like his face and maybe his arms that made him look pale like he was definitely sick. They didn't. Uh, they really didn't. So it's I'm wondering how he did that. Humor. Did he like do something to himself on purpose to make himself look more pale? Well, he was, he was kind of starving himself for the role. Um, oh, okay. So maybe he was just like... He might have legit been... He might have been sick, maybe from just being hungry and not yeah. really, in, and not really doing the catering thing. This was a role he really wanted to nail, and he did. Um, he was pretty obsessed with it. He smoked heavily during this. Yeah, he also um, like he drinks a ton in the movie. Now I don't know if like if the shots that he takes, like the alcohol shots he takes in the movie. No, he he's not drinking are... for real. But Stephen Lang was Stephen Lang was drunk through this whole movie. Oh, as Ike. Well, that kind of explains it because he's very believable as a drunk, yeah, especially was. like when uh, when they they throw him in the drunk tank. But people did say that um, Val Kilmer could probably almost out drink anyone on the set. Yeah, but he probably maybe he didn't want to because he, he, he drank some on the set, drank but he some. wasn't drunk through the whole thing because he had to do certain scenes, a lot of scenes where he had to have guns and stuff in it. He didn't want to drink because. He had to make sure he was fast enough to look, yeah. like, look, look like Doc would look. Yeah, well, because especially like when you have somebody who's you know supposed to be like one of the quickest hands in the West, being able to pull a pistol and fire, 
if you were drinking through that, you know, Val normally isn't that type of guy, no. you know, so it's like in order for him to keep his skills sharp, he probably does need to be just drinking like fake booze and then actually being like totally sober when he, when he does action scenes, that would make sense because there's like the sequence where at the okay corral where he has the shotgun, you know, and it's like that if he was drinking, all the way through that, then yeah, that probably would have impaired his uh, his acting ability trying yep. to make this you know look good with a shotgun. Because the budget was relatively low for this, so there wasn't really a whole lot of budget, considering it's like damn near a three hour movie. Well, it's like two hours, two hours fifteen. Uh, when I, I I watched it last night, I was like, "What's the time on this?" And it's like it's about two hours fifteen. Well, maybe a little bit shorter if you count the credits as part of that. Um, but it's, it's, it's just a little bit over two hours because I always thought this movie was longer. Now I'm wondering if like, because the, the version that I watched was the DVD version that Steve bought me actually for Christmas. It was a stocking stuffer. I do like the end credit scenes where Captain America shows up. Right. <laughs> yeah. Cause he can time travel. Right. So he's like stopping through the old West wants to see the gunfight at the okay corral and then he's like, okay, cool. And I got stones I got to go deliver. So that's just, I just wanted to see that. That was cool. I just wanted to check this out. And then Doc's about to die. And he's like, no, we're not dealing with you yet, Doc. Yeah. That's America's ass. No, he would be like, that's America's mustache. You can't die here. <laughs> that's America's mustache. You can't fuck this up. I'm going to have uh, to take you in the future. There's this dick named Thanos. Yeah. And we need, we need a we guy need who's. You shoot him in the face. We need you to shoot him in the face. Because we had this one guy, he was supposed to, he, he just pistol whipped him and he didn't actually do anything. And so it's like, I'm an inevitable. And he was like, and I'm your Huckleberry. Yeah. Bam. And then blows his ass away. And it's like, boom, nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, you can go back. <laughs> that would be funny if you did like a, if you did a cut that was like uh tombstone across the Avengers and it's like, I am inevitable. And then you just see Doc like, say when, <laughs> say when, say when. It was like, it was like. It's like, who are you? It's like, I'm your Huckleberry. Yeah, I'm your Huckleberry. Say when. <laughs> when? when <pow! laughs> it's like, so what? So, so then, like, they're at the, they're at the, like the saloon later, and it's like, Doc, what happened? So I shot that purple bitch in his face. <laughs> I didn't know you had, you guys had purple people in your future. It's like we don't anymore. Yeah, we don't anymore because you pretty much killed the only purple dude that we knew. It's like, well, damn, that's good. I thought that I thought that boy was sick as hell. <laughs> Maybe I cured, I cured his ass. I cured his ass with a bullet. <laughs> like, yes, yes, you did. Yes, you did, Doc. <laughs> you definitely fucking cured him with a bullet. And also, here's the cure for tuberculosis. You can have that. Yeah, damn, that's what I'm talking about. Uh, but uh, oh man. Yeah, imagine if you could time travel and just go back to infamous events like that. Imagine if you could be the guy that time travels. Just I just randomly had this thought, and you're like, I know what the fuck happened to Amelia Earhart. And people are like, what happened? And it's like, she fucking went and became a Nazi. Like, she she killed Jews. <laughs> she was a murderer. She was a fucking murdering psychopathic it's bitch. Like, wait, <laughs> shit. I wore a costume. Right. She's my hero. Amelia Earhart's my fucking idol. Yeah. It's like, actually, she had a sex change. She's actually Hitler. No. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, because she disappeared in 1937. There were Nazis around back then. The estimated time of her death was January 5th, 1939. I don't want to get that theory started. <laughs> possible. Amelia Earhart. 
disappeared and became a Nazi. That's John's theory. Um, <laughs> that is John and John alone. <laughs> My theory is she became an alien. She became an alien. Well, there's a lot of people that think that she got She's abducted by aliens. She's a scroll. There's, there's, I think that was one theory that like she got captured by aliens because she was flying over. She's uh, Captain Marvel. Maybe she is. Did they ever like? Did they ever say that like Captain Marvel was based on somebody like Amelia Earhart? Because they're both pilots, both women. Eh, something there. There's I something like, there. I feel like there's something. There's there. something there. Uh, Stanley, we're watching you from above. We, yeah, yeah. We we, we went on to you, we man. Know what you're we got, we get you. Uh, yeah, you you based Carol Danvers on Amelia Earhart. We we know. We already feel that. We so Amelia know. Earhart possibly got captured and was taken to an alien planet and then came back with superpowers. I'll believe it. Yeah. That's probably better than she became a Nazi, right? Probably. We don't but, want to hey, think we'll, of our heroes. We'll leave that open. How, how fucked up would it be like 30 years later we're like both old and stuff is like, actually, Amelia Hart was a fucking Nazi. And John's like, fuck, I told yes! all of you. You sons of bitches. <laughs> I told you sons of bitches she became a Nazi. Or, and it's like. Or she's an alien hero. Yeah. And it's like, well, do you feel good about this? It's like, fuck no, she's an American legend. We don't want her to be a Nazi. Yeah. I'm like sick in myself that I thought of that, and that was actually true. Why did I do that? <laughs> Why the fuck did I do this to the world? Maybe that's Mandela effect, man. Maybe like in our universe, in our new universe, she did become a Nazi, but in the original timeline, she just disappeared in like the Bermuda Triangle or something. No. Who the yeah, fuck knows? Could you could throw some Mandela effect shit in there. Who knows? She could all be like Hell Hydra and shit. Oh, yeah, 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 exactly. Um, but then still the Tesseract. Right. <laughs> um, oh, God, could you... <laughs> Imagine people just coming up with like crazy ass theories about Amelia Earhart, and it's like, yeah, the Tesseract actually exists, and she has it. Give us your best theories about Amelia Earhart. Where the fuck did she go? Email us at beyondtheyahoo.com. We want to hear your best theories of what Amelia Earhart's doing right now, and also DB Cooper, if you guys want to throw that in, also at beyondtheyahoo.com. Yeah. And what the fuck happened with Jimmy Hoffa? Let us know. Um, but uh, uh, the one thing that I, that really kind of stood out to me is that like a lot of people, to kind of finish this up, right? A lot of people felt like this was a typical Hollywood manufactured Western. Like a paint by numbers. You have to have scene, scene, scene. You know, everything follows a pattern, right? Um, so it says, uh, this is a film that's benefited from lots of marketing and a big name cast. Like most Hollywood assembly line films, the effect of tombstone is uh, momentary. It will leave no lasting impression. Word has it that several years ago, a big time Hollywood actor in a major studio expressed an interest in making an epic film uh, about Wyatt Earp. Well, a rival studio got wind of this and decided that they would beat them to the punch. So they rushed out a silly and moronic version of the events that led to the uh, shootout at the OK Corral. Well, Tombstone is that inferior movie. For something historical, I prefer something somehow somewhat believable. And maybe even something somewhat original, but that is certainly not the case with Tombstone. I recognize that most people enjoy films like this one. Uh, and I write these comments for the benefit of those who know what I mean by a terrible Hollywoodization and sometimes spare them of a possibly excruciating experience. 
this dude's just doing like the Lord's work, right? Like he, he's like, you know what? This is a terrible fucking Hollywood, you know, version of, of a Western movie and these events. And I'm going to tell you this movie is shit so you can avoid it. And I feel like a big boy. Like I'm, I'm doing the planet a favor. He's not telling me the version of it that that's supposed to be like accurate though. Yeah, well, and that's the thing, because you've already explained a lot of stuff that, that is in this movie is accurate. Some things aren't, but it's a movie, so you understand that they're going to take some liberties here and there. But you literally have bits of dialogue or like things that were actually said by the real people that they used in the movie. So it's like they got a lot of things historically accurate, but the thing that, that they just put together some like paint-by-numbers Western, it's like this is... One of the best Westerns, (laughs) ah, the hotel chain. Yeah. Yeah. You got it. This is one of the, we're not sponsored by best Western, but that would be a hell of a plug. Yeah. Now we're going to get sponsored by best Western, you know, Hey, when we go to uh, watch wrestling in Pensacola, best Western hook us up. We, we just did promotion for you for free. Best Western, their beds might not have STDs. <laughs> <laughs> and at these low prices, you're going to be thinking, hey, I saved so much money on my room. Now I can go get tested. <laughs> I can go get tested. Oh, shit. Anyway, um, so. <laughs> Is that a heroin needle? Probably not. <laughs> um, it's probably just somebody doing a, I don't know, a diabetes test? I don't yeah. know. Blood yeah. sugar test? Yeah. Um. It's it's not heroin. Don't don't think of it. don't 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 put that in there. There are no dead bodies under your mattress. You're right. No, Best Western Best doesn't Western. do that. But <laughs> this is to me. It's like I'm not necessarily like a Western movie fan because I didn't grow up watching a ton of them. Like my dad was really big on westerns because he liked the Jimmy Stewart westerns and he was really big into like Bonanza and stuff like that. The TV show mm-hmm. uh, because that was like that ran for like fuck what like like 15 years that show ran on TV. I don't remember exactly off the top of my head, but you know, he was one of those people. He loved those old timey Westerns and stuff like the Jimmy Stewart era stuff. So he grew up watching a lot of that stuff. And then, you know, Clint Eastwood and John Wayne and like those kind of guys. I really have never been like a Western person necessarily because I don't just sit down and watch Westerns. This is my favorite Western movie that I've ever watched. I fucking love this movie. Like, and I think that's one of the reasons why Steve gave it to me for Christmas. Cause I was like going through the stocking and I'm like, Oh, it's like a DVD case. You can feel it in the stocking. Right. And then I pull it. I'm like, yes, tombstone. Fuck. Yes. <laughs> young guns, young guns. One and two is pretty badass too. Yeah. But see, that's the thing. Like I haven't really watched a ton of those types of Westerns. So like for me, my sample size is very small of the ones that I've watched. This is my favorite. That's why you I wanted to cover. Watched Young Guns one and two? I don't think I've. I think I've watched the first one, but I don't think I've watched the second one. It's been forever. Have to sit down and watch that then. Just, just one of these days. That'll be fun. Uh, yeah. Because I don't uh, remember. Because it's like Emilio Estevez and um. Kiefer Sutherland. Uh, Sutherland and, yeah. And Lou Diamond Phillips. And, yeah. And it's a bunch of great people in it. Yeah, because I remember the cast was really good in it, but I don't I remember the movies you, very well. I could have killed you. <laughs> but. Uh, to think that this is like, this is an inferior movie. Like we were talking earlier uh, and it's like the movie Wyatt Earp that I, I, I'm pretty sure they're referring to that Kevin Costner did. Like Steve literally was like, he was like, but they're not competing movies. They don't tell the same story. Yeah. Literally like the Wyatt Earp movie with Kevin Costner would be the prequel. 
Yeah, it'd be like the earlier part of his life in Dodge City. And Tombstone is when he gets out of that and he moves to Arizona yeah, and tries two, to find his silver two fortune. Two stories of his life. Literally, you can watch those two movies back to back and you would have a complete story of his life. Yeah. Now, the most exciting movie of the two is Tombstone. Right. Uh, the, uh, but if you guys like historical movies, like, like, like uh, the ones that are kind of a little bit more, you know, realistic base i mean they're both kind of realistic based but if you want the other one too you should watch the kevin costner one i I think there's better acting in tombstone but uh they're both really good i mean i like kevin costner a lot yeah kevin costner is the goat um but uh you know i think whenever people talk about like this movie in particular they're always you know, there's some people that either they love this movie, uh, like me, for example, and can quote this, you know, uh, would always like, you know, like find quotes from this movie or remember sequences from this movie. Cause like people saying that like, this isn't memorable and that, you know, this is a, this is one of those like Hollywood Western movies that just gets swept under the rug and you're not going to remember it. It's, you know, like that's complete bullshit. That's complete bullshit because people still to this day quote Val Kilmer from this movie. And a lot of people, when they think of the visual representation of what Wyatt Earp looks like, or even Doc for that matter, they think of Kurt Russell and Val Kilmer because it almost feels like that's the quintessential version of the two characters. And then Sam Elliott as Virgil, like that knocks it out of the park. And then you got Bill Paxton as Morgan Earp. He does a badass job in this movie, you know, rest in peace, Bill Paxton, rest in peace, Bill Paxton again. Uh, But I think that like the problem that, that happens is that like a lot of times it's like, I don't think people understand how the fuck Hollywood works because when people say like, it's a Hollywoodization of something that means that it's like manufactured garbage. That's what I interpret that to mean that somebody feels like all they did was they input a bunch of shit into a formula and they're like, okay, well this is the formula, but it's a Western movie. This is the formula, but it's a romantic comedy. This is the formula, but it's a, it's a, uh, shoot 'em up action movie, you know, whatever. They're like, you can just input a bunch of shit in and then all of a sudden just regurgitate out this movie. And it's like, not everything is like that. It's like, uh, one of my, uh, like favorite movies. That's kind of like a crime movie is uh, public enemies. Uh, with Johnny Depp uh, playing, you know, John Dillinger, you know, um, and that was a Michael Mann movie. And basically like Michael Mann was like, Johnny Depp was so into this movie. He actually learned how to break down his Tommy gun, clean it and repair it himself and put it back together. And, you know, he, he learned how to uh, do like, uh, what was it? The model T uh, Ford that they used back in those days. I th- no, it wasn't a model T. It was, it was a later model Ford, uh, that they used, but he learned how to drive that. You know, he learned how to shoot a gun off of the rails on the side of it. Like, you know, when, when people want to talk about like these Hollywood eyes movies of like historical stuff, especially like something like tombstone, it's like, you can't tell me that these actors didn't put their fucking heart into this movie especially when it comes to Val Kilmer and, and fucking Kurt Russell, you know, I mean, to be able to play, you know, a two of America's like probably most well-known and most infamous heroes and people besides Billy, the kid, besides like Billy, the kid, maybe, but Wyatt Earp is one of those characters. He's fucking iconic. Not everybody can play that role. 
And, you know, to think that, like, the Hollywood machine just regurgitated out a Western movie, then you didn't really watch it. It's like, if you want to see, like, a crappy Western movie, go watch that B-movie stuff that people make. This is a very fucking well-done movie. I mean, even just from, like, the extras and the sets, because you feel like you're in Arizona in the 1880s. You know, like, it, it feels like you're in that world because... Everything looks period accurate, even the, the, the way that they, they talk, the way that they act, you know, the horses, like everything right. yeah, makes exactly. sense, you know. And I, I just think that like when people say that like this is just a Hollywood version of, you know, Tombstone, and it's not the real story. It's like, no, there's a lot of factual stuff in this. And to say that it's just like a paint by numbers Western movie. No, it isn't. You know, try telling that to Val Kilmer. Tell that to Kurt Russell. Tell that to, you know, fucking Sam Elliott and say that like, oh, well, your performances weren't really that good because it was a paint by numbers Hollywood Western movie. It's like, no, it's not. This is probably one of the most influential Western movies of all time. You know, I, you know, it, is. it really is. It's just it always pains me. Like when I see people that talk shit about this movie, like it's overrated or stuff like that. And it's like, no, it's not. It's, it's it's one of the greatest Western movies of all time. It's very equally rated. Right. Yeah. And it's also probably, you know, covering one of the most infamous like shootouts in history, which is the shootout at the OK Corral. Right. You know, yeah, it's one of the most famous. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's, um, and then, uh, wasn't there, uh, there was a, there was a, a Billy, the kid moment that I, I forgot off the top of my head. That was like an infamous shootout. Yeah, there, there, there's actually there's like several Billy the Kid uh, things that are like classic, you know, classic uh, Western America tales. Yeah, but that's just part of Americana. That's part of America's history is the old West, you know, and Americana is sweet. Yes, it is. Now, one thing that I will say is that the the greatest Western movie of all time is Back to the Future (laughs) three. Absolutely, that absolutely outfit. I mean, yeah, yeah, exactly. Clint Eastwood. Yeah, and like Clint Eastwood. Perfect. What kind of a name is that? <laughs> I'm not talking shit about uh, you know Back to the Future Three. I do love that movie. That's good. Movie. It's I mean, but that's the thing is like I think it was kind of cool because it was like we've been to the future, we've been to like the 1950s. Let's fucking go back to the old west. We have a time machine. Fuck it, Doc would you know, Doc Brown would go back to the old West because, you know, he's always been fascinated by that stuff. And he's crazy. And he's crazy. So he would be he's the kind a, of guy that would go a, back to that time. Scientist, so. Yeah. And then mine as well. The fuck that he fucking built a time machine out of a fucking steam train. Like that's fucking nuts, man. But anyway, he should have went back in time and made himself not a disgraced nuclear scientist. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Shots fired at Doc Brown. We might have to cover Back to the Future 3 at some point. Shouldn't he have done that? Like, that was his biggest failure? Was he a, you know, failed nuclear scientist? Um, I I don't remember if... I know that he was a scientist, but I don't don't know if he was... um, Because wasn't it in, like, one of the alternate timelines of that movie where uh, in the... In In the main timeline of the movie... Yeah, he was like a... Back or on the table or the background that it says Doc Brown failed nuclear scientist. Is that what it says? I forgot exactly. Yeah. I know it says that I think it says like disgraced scientist. 
I don't remember if it says nuclear. You might be right. It's been a minute since of what was that? I think the, he was a nuclear scientist. What, uh, well, because it, he built the time machine to work on plutonium, and he has to have enriched plutonium for the time machine to See, work. Yeah, so I'm right. So. You, yeah, I think you. I think you're right on that one. I think he was a um, nuclear scientist. He was a nuclear scientist that kind of failed, but like he had the uh, he had the idea for the time machine, and that's really his legacy. Um, yeah, because a lot of his other inventions were kind of they were failures. Yeah, because and then the time machine actually worked. That was the one thing that he actually nailed and got correct. Because that's why Marty's like, "Wait, are you telling me you you invented a time, time machine?" machine? Out of a DeLorean? Out of a DeLorean? Like, yeah. You know, those Michael J. Fox's delivery is way better than ours or anybody Oh, else's. definitely, yeah. Uh, but that's else's. like an iconic line. He was like, are you telling me that you built a time machine out of a DeLorean? What? It's like just the, 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 Michael J. Fox is, um, he's just really great. What, is, what does Anthony Jeselnik say about, uh, ah, shit, who was he roasting when he said that? He, ah, shit. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? Uh, the the roast that he did, and he was like, uh, "Shit, it pisses me off." I can't remember because you're the Anthony Anthony Jeselnik expert here. He was here. doing a roast, and he was like, uh, "Uh, Charlie Sheen." Sheen, okay. Sheen, he was like, he was like, "You only you only exist because God hates Michael J. Fox." <laughs> God, that's ours. That was the joke that oh, he fuck. Charlie Sheen. And you see Charlie Sheen over there. He just like puts his head down. Just kind of like nods. Shakes his head like, and fuck. Like, okay, he, he got even, me. He wasn't even expecting something that brutal. No. Like, he was just like, it was Jeselnik. Though. But it's Jeselnik. He, his comedy is brutal, though. Yeah, it is. And like, it was the road. Like, one of the roasts where Amy Schumer was there. She went after Jeselnik. And Jeselnik didn't really attack her in the roast. And like she, she started roasting him or whatever. And he was like, and he was like, you're lucky you went after me. <laughs> and that's all I said. Yeah. Cause they, because he didn't have, <laughs> he didn't have any more mic time. He was, yeah, he was already, like he already he, did his he turn. He roasted, you know, the, the main person and a couple other people. He didn't even do Amy Schumer. And she like, she had like a whole disc thing for him. And he was like, you're lucky you went after me. Right. Yeah. Oh, because if he would have came on after her and she would have fired the first shot, he would have ended it. Oh, for real. He would have, he is, uh, he is quite brutal. Especially since she gets her jokes from other people. Oh yeah. 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 We can't forget about that. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, never forget. Yeah. Never forget. Um, but, uh, but yeah, to wrap it up, it's like I, I think that you know people that are super critical of this movie, it's like just just watch it. It's a fucking fantastic western. It's actually probably more historically accurate than some other Hollywood movies yeah, you might have at seen. At least eighty percent accurate. Yeah, Bohemian and Rhapsody is actually about twenty percent accurate. Yeah. So now the Tombstone did it win any like Academy Awards uh, for ninety three? Did not. It did not, not even for like just like screenplay or anything. anything. Fuck, whoever whoever's in the Academy really fucked up because I think this movie should have won at least a couple of awards, maybe for screenplay and then maybe for like uh, like art direction, like the set design and everything. Because the fucking whole maybe, town looks brilliant. Maybe best ghost director. Best ghost director to Kurt Russell. It's like and the award for best ghost director who actually did all of the work. Goes to Kurt Russell, Tombstone. <laughs> it's like the other, the guy's like, 
Hey, but what about me? You know you didn't direct this movie. It's like, you, you, seriously, dude, we we know you didn't do anything. It was all Kurt. It was all Kurt Russell. Yeah, which um, is literally the only credit on Kurt Russell's... Uh, directorial? Yeah, it's Tombstone. Tombstone. Though. Okay, well, that kind of makes sense. One movie that I would like to do eventually, and I did look it up a little bit to see what kind of hate comments I could find, is Escape from New York, because I fucking love that movie. It's fucking yeah. Snake Plissken. You know, like, I mean... Escape from New York's great. Kurt Russell yes. actually wrote Escape from L.A., though. He wrote Escape from L.A.? Okay. I thought, I thought he, like, him and Carpenter wrote that together. That was actually just Kurt Russell wrote that? Oh, shit. Okay. Maybe we might have to do, like, a two-pack or something at one point. They said... That's, like, uh, James, Escape from New York and L.A. Uh, together. Yeah, James Carpenter said he almost directed this movie, Tombstone. Oh, really? Oh, that would have been interesting. It wouldn't have been as good. I... Uh, I think Kurt Russell, if you know, if like he did pretty much all the legwork directing this, he did a fucking fantastic job. I don't know what Carpenter could have added to this. He fucking named his son Wyatt after this movie. Right. Well, and it's also interesting because like uh, talking about the like, cultural references, uh, when uh, Bray Wyatt was, you know, the WWE wrestler was on Stone Cold Steve Austin's podcast. You know, Stone Cold was like, well, where did you come up with the name Bray Wyatt? And he was like, well, he's like, Bray came from a kid that he knew uh, when he was younger because uh, the kid's name was Bray White. And he was like, you know, he was like this kid that like he uh, he had like nerve damage or something in like most of his body. And like he couldn't really feel pain very well. Like he, he you could hit him and he would hurt, but he wouldn't actually feel it because of his nerve endings. It was like a. It was like a disorder that he had. And he was like, I always remember that kid because he was memorable and he had a memorable name, which was Bray. And he was like, where'd the Wyatt come from? He was like, Wyatt Earp, obviously. You know? <laughs> so I was like, that makes sense. Cause he's like, yeah, he's like Wyatt Earp. You know, he's like one of the most, you know, iconic Americans ever, you know, still is to this day. Uh, so I, I always thought that was kind of interesting that like, you know, he named his, he came up with his, you know, his character name, from a kid that he knew when he was, uh, you know, younger and then Wyatt Earp, you know, right. <laughs> that's pretty cool. And now all you have to do is just let him in, you know, <laughs> he runs the Firefly Funhouse now. So that's interesting. That's all you gotta do. Yeah. Just let him in. Okay. Uh, so this has been beyond the hate. Yes. Uh, peace. Uh. And we're going to leave you, uh, we're going to, the, uh, outro for the, uh, for this is going to be a certain little song called doc holiday by Volbeat. Yeah. I fucking stay, love this song. Stay tuned a, a little after that. And after the, uh, after the, the credit song, um, we're going to have a little surprise for you. A little Easter egg, a little Easter egg. So stay, stay tuned on, on, stay on for that. Yeah. And, uh, this has been beyond the head. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Tombstone tombstone. Watch it. Peace.
Okay, so I'm going to do a little bit of stand-up here uh, at the end of it, and um, yeah. thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, yeah, that's that's what one man clapping sounds like. One man clapping, <laughs> and the show's over. Thank you. Yeah, no, just... Thank you, and good night. <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna start it off with uh, words are funny things, aren't they? Especially in the English. Uh, language you can take uh, it can take you like places in your mind like the word fire truck you connect that thought to, to heroes and childhood dreams and something good now if I say something like truck fire it takes you to like Mexico or like the apocalypse or Philadelphia when they win or lose sports games <laughs> either way <laughs> Or like Pussycat, you think of nostalgic cartoons or wholesome fun, family times. If you think of someone saying, you know, cat pussy, <laughs> you're calling the cops or moving or moving to protect your neighbor from fucking your cat. <laughs> Restraining order. <laughs> yeah. I've got a few more of these, like breakfast is something that you eat. A fast break is a basketball term. Haircut and cut hair is actually the same thing. Bus stop and uh, stop bus could be a matter of life or death. <laughs> Even the word for for, for compound noun uh, would be like pound com in reverse. So that seems sexual. <laughs> what about policeman? Sounds authoritative, strong, but um, you know uh, what a you know. It's, but man, police. Sounds like a grown man wearing a police costume. Or pie cream and cream pie. Both of those sound delicious and also a category on Pornhub. <laughs> My point is, what the fuck is English? <laughs> Wrestling moves are also funny. Like the Boston Crab. It was neither invented by a person from Boston or does anything a crab would do. You see me? Do you see many crabs do back bends? See many crabs in your yoga class? No, I didn't think so. Well, I'm sure someone has crabs in your yoga class, but that's a different story. The gorilla press. There are no gorillas involved in that move, nor much press either. It should be called something like "Look how strong I am." Or fuck you, I just lifted you over my head like you were a fucking baby. Choke slam? It should really be called a throat slam. You're not really choking them, you're just grabbing them by their throat and then throwing them on the ground. I have one more of these. Brock Lesnar's F5, which is named after the most powerful tornado. At first I thought it was actually referring to the refresh key on the computer. Like he would hit them with a move and then be like refresh your life boom tech jokes and wrestling get over <laughs> no but it doesn't but he he doesn't actually spin anyone in a circle it should be called something close to like a pile driver not because it's anything close to a pile driver just because a pile driver actually sounds cool so it should be something you know like like it actually sounds intimidating so it should be something like called something close to like a pile driver like a i don't know like a pedophiler no <laughs> no what about a what about the wind denier no no that doesn't sound good either. no what about the terminator i don't know i have to come back on that one 
Um, so now I'm going to get to my joke where I do the punchline first. And the, the punchline of this joke is going to be goddamn chicken. Now, this story is about a friend of mine, and just so no one will name their kids after them, just because he's going to be hero at the end of this, I'll name him Cade, or Thad, or I'll just call him Cade Thad. Well, Cade Thad had a granddad that was one of those, I'll make you a man now that you've turned 18 kind of people, a macho granddad, you know, like one of those macho village type people. So, the first thing he did was he took him to skydive. He was scared at first time. He panicked, refusing to get on the plane the whole time. His granddad was... He was fucking furious. So, Kate Thad failed to become a man in his granddad's eyes because he wouldn't jump out of a fucking plane. Um, the second place he took him was to the bar. He was going to get him drunk, make him fight... Abracadabra, he'd be a man. But his good old Cade Thad ordered a club soda and was friendly. His granddad got a drunk guy to pick a fight with him. The granddad got excited at first. Then his grandson walked away from the fight. And he was disappointed in Cade Thad. But there was one more option. There was one more test. He took old Cade Thad into a brothel. He said, you can fuck anything in this brothel. I'll pay for it. You'll be a man after. Kate Thad weighed his options, then made his choice. And the granddad screamed. You want to fuck a goddamn chicken? Thank you, and good night. (laughs)